Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is a coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right, good evening, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Wednesday, July 8, 2015, and it is about, oh, eight minutes after 8 p.m. Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live. And, of course, that means if we're live... You can participate in this here show. You can call in 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980. Write that down. 800-932-1980. You can also participate in the chat room. You don't have to, though. You know, because if you call in, you're going to have to participate because, well, you're going to be on the air. So you're either going to participate or you're going to be dead air. But in the chat room, you can just chat with the other folks in there. You don't have to participate in what I'm talking about or anything. There's no rule about that. But you'll have to hit the chat link. AmericanVoiceRadio.com or TheAmericanVoice.com is where it's at. You can also instant message me privately, just you, me, and the NSA. We'll see this one through Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. Okay, well, like I said, it's Wednesday night. Melissa will not be joining us tonight because she's at the bad girl classes. That's right. <laughs> well, anyway, that's what I like to say. Yeah, Melissa got a ticket for having no seatbelt on. And uh, rather than pay, oh, I think it's 125 bucks, and uh, having it go on your record and your insurance go up and all that good stuff, you pay 25 bucks and go to this class and watch a bunch of, uh, you know, watch two hours of movies about how people die from not wearing seatbelts, you know, so they try to give you a little trauma-based mind control to wear your seatbelts. So that's where Melissa's at tonight. So I'll be having to muddle through all by myself. Well, me and you, that is. All right, well, that's out of the way. Let's get to some stuff. I keep putting off this one thing that I wanted to do, you know, because just the news doesn't stop, does it? And this, this, this just, this is one of my most unfavored people. Well, it appears my computer doesn't want to cooperate and let me see this, but this story will be about Eric Holder once it comes up. Did you know, you know, Eric Holder was an, an attorney, right? Yeah, well, he was an attorney for... Law firms that lobby for guess who? Banks. Yep. And guess where he went back to work? Yeah. At the same law firm. Banks. To lobby banks. Let me read this to you. Trying to determine Barack Obama's most corrupt crony appointee presents a virtually impossible task. Every single person he's appointed to a position of power over the course of his unfathomable, shady, violent, and unconstitutional presidency has been little more than a gatekeeper for powerful vested interests. Obama's job was to talk like a Marxist, but act like a robber baron. In this regard, his reign has been an unprecedented success. And that's true. 
And like I said, we've got two things going on in this country, folks. We have an economy and we have a nation. This is why just, you know, and I do it myself, but just calling these people communists doesn't cover it. Because that's only the social aspect. That's the national aspect. But the economy, on the other hand, they're complete fascists. And that includes Obama. He's a corporatist. Well, you can't be a communist and a corporatist, can you? Well, sure you can. If you explain it to yourself properly and say, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a communist when it comes to the nation and uh, the people and, uh, you know, the social aspect of the whole thing, but I'm a fascist, a corporatist when it comes to business. And that's what's going on. See, we were always brought up to believe that fascism and communism were actually opposing forces, but they are not. They're two separate sides of the same coin. The coin is a nation and its economy. One side is the nation, the social aspect. The other side of the coin is the economy. Communism and fascism has always worked together. Uh, yeah, I know. It's a shock, isn't it? I mean, wait a minute. What was World War II all about? Aha. Uh-huh. Well, that's for another show, because what was World War II all about? Oh, it wasn't about fighting for your freedoms and, you know, squashing fascism. Believe me. Anyway, all that said, if anyone is a top contender for the worst of the worst of the worst of the Obama administration. It's Eric Holder. As head of the Department of Justice, he was the one man who could have played an enormously positive role in American society by punishing those responsible for creating the financial crisis that destroyed tens of millions of lives globally. Instead, he chose to actively protect the financial oligarchs and ushered in a tragic new era for these United States. One in which the world suddenly realized that the U.S. is little more than a glorified oligarchy. Essentially, an aggressive banana republic armed with nuclear weapons and a swagger of a third world dictator. Hey, is this sounding good, folks? Holder's lists of failures and evidence shamelessly, shameless cronyism are virtually endless. And uh, here's a few. Like, for instance, uh, oh, well, okay, we'll do this one first. I clicked the wrong thing, but just as well. Now, I'm no fan of Elizabeth Warren, you know, because... She's an Indian, you know. Yeah, the the woman that looks like a white bread white woman in the U.S. Senate. Yeah, she claims she's an American Indian. Yeah, okay. Anyway, Elizabeth Warren is one of the few senators out there pushing to understand why the federal government has created an untouchable class of criminals in America that can do whatever they want, whenever they want. And not only that, get away with it. But... Also get bailed out when they make mistakes, in case you missed it. Uh, this guy here, Michael Krieger, 
highlighted a powerful video a few months ago in which she made regulators squirm when confronted on too big to fail. Now she has written a letter to Ben Bernanke, Eric Holder, and Mary Jo White. His favorite line is this. If large financial institutions can break the law and accumulate millions in profits, and if they get caught, settle by paying out those profits, they do not have much incentive to follow the law. Well, no, they don't, do they? Well, you know what? A lot of folks out there are misled on the whole Greece thing. And, oh, you might as well add Spain, Ireland, Italy, you know, the rest of the kind of lower-end EU countries. Yeah, well, they're they're the next to go. But the thing about Greece is if you'll read, you'll see that the president of Greece calls the IMF and the Eurozone countries criminals. And they are criminals because now they say, well, you know, hey, Greece is on the hook for, you know, 600 and something billion dollars, right? Okay, so you figure, well, you know, hey, uh, those dirty, rotten Greece people, man, you know, they just sat around collecting welfare, waiting for their pensions and, uh, you know, getting all that money, that free money, 600 and something billion dollars. Well, okay, that's the news. But when you look behind the news and you start seeing, well, all right, how much of that $600 billion did Greece actually receive? Okay, this is like going to look at the Red Cross and saying, well, gee, ooh, uh, look, the Red Cross got like a billion dollars in donations. Ah, but how much of that billion dollars actually went to helping anybody? How much of that billion dollars went to what they euphemistically call administrative costs? Uh, well, 95%. Yeah, if you're giving any, anything to the Red Cross, you are an idiot. Sorry. You know, uh, I'm not a big fan of the Salvation Army. And I was a homeless guy. And the Salvation Army in different places around the country had helped me out quite a bit. But then again, there's other places in the country where the Salvation Army doesn't do squat. And the Salvation Army has gotten a little too close in bed with the federal government because, see, what and the state governments, what they'd like to do is they say, well, you know, where we used to house the homeless, Now, we're closing those down to the homeless, and we're opening them up and calling them halfway houses. Yeah, well, like in Long Beach, California, it's more like a halfway apartment complex. This is where people get out of prison, and they're not really allowed to be let out on the street. They've got to still be supervised. It's like their transition period. Yeah, well, the Salvation Army runs those. I am uh, pretty upset about that because a, a couple Honolulu, Long Beach, these are two places that I personally know of. And, I, and when I say personally, I mean walk up and say, hey, uh, can I get a sandwich? Now, in Long Beach, they'd say, yeah. Come to the window. 
and you go to the window and they hand you this paper bag with an apple and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in it. Off you go. Yeah, Honolulu tells you get out or we'll call the cops. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a little, uh, uh, you know, not on board with that. But at least the amount of donations you give to the Salvation Army, a good percentage of it actually goes to operating, you know, what they do. Not administrative costs. The Red, the, the Red Cross is just a, a scam. Anyway, even, here's the headline, even Washington, D.C. insiders admit Eric Holder is a bankster puppet. You know, it's bad when even Washington, D.C. insiders and Democrats, to boot, cringe at the cruel joke that the Department of Injustice has become under Eric Fast and Furious Holder. Look, we all know that in any government there's going to be some level of corruption. But when the country's chief law enforcement officer is so obviously a lying crook and he stays in his position, you know, uh, the ship is about to sink. Truly a great job by Richard Escrow for the Huffington Post on this one. And the Huffington Post, (laughs) let me tell you, like they said, and Democrats to boot. You know, because the Huffington Post, uh, that that Nazi chick that runs the Huffington Post that's pretending to be a communist, is, you know, she was this, if you remember back a little way, she married Huffington, who was a conservative. And, of course, she was a conservative. The Huffington Post was a conservative. But the minute he died, oh, boy, things went completely liberal. More and more Washington insiders are asking a question that was considered off-limits in the nation's capital just a few months ago. Who exactly is Attorney General Eric Holder representing? As scandal after scandal erupts on Wall Street involving everything from global lending manipulation to cocaine and prostitution, more and more people are worrying about Holder's seemingly inaction, or worse, in the face of mounting evidence. The problem isn't a shortage of scandalous stories. We've seen a lot of those. What we haven't seen, at least here in the United States, is a single indictment of a senior Wall Street banker from the United States Department of Justice. We call that now the lynch mob. And that's what has these political insiders concerned. A growing number of people are privately expressing concern at the Justice Department's long-standing pattern of inactivity, obfuscation, and obstruction. Mr. Holder's past... As a highly paid lawyer for a top Wall Street firm, Covington and Burling, is being discussed more openly among insiders. Covington and Burling was the law firm which, law firm which devised the MERS Shell Corporation that has since been implicated in many cases of mortgage and foreclosure fraud. You know, the robo-signing? Yeah, that was Holder. <laughs> and we thought it was just fast and furious. Wow. Anyway, so, we go over here, and let's see. We're skipping to the future. I just wanted to bring you a little past about Eric Holder. Now, after failing to criminally prosecute any of the financial firms responsible for the market collapse in 2008, former Attorney General Eric Holder is returning to Covington and Burling. I'm shocked. 
a corporate law firm known for serving Wall Street clients. The move completes one of the more troubling trips through the revolving door for a cabinet secretary. This is why I'm talking about this. It's because I talk about this revolving door all the time. I just mentioned the revolving door the other night when I was talking about the Federal Reserve and the CIA and George Bush and the whole Bush family. And I mean the whole Bush family. We're going back to Prescott Bush. You know, Wall Street banker slash U.S. senator. Now, oh, there's Jeb. What's he involved in? Oh, hey, wasn't that other Bush involved with the whole uh, Silverado savings and loan collapse? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It goes on and on, folks. Holder worked at Covington and uh, from 2001 right up to being sworn in as Attorney General in February 2009. And Covington literally kept an office empty for him awaiting his return. I mean... Really? Hey, what's with the empty office? Well, that's for Eric Holder when he comes back, when he gets out of the Attorney General's office. Does that seem maybe, just possibly, like a, uh, a, what do they call that? A conflict of interest? The Covington and Burling client list has included four of the largest banks, including Bank of America, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Wells Fargo. Do any of those names ring a bell in the 2008 collapse? Covington was also deeply involved with a company known as MERS, which was later responsible for falsifying mortgage documents on an industrial scale. Court records show that Covington in the late 1990s provided legal opinion letters needed to create MERS on behalf of Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, and several other large banks. This is according to Reuters. The Department of Justice under Holder not only failed to pursue criminal prosecutions of the banks responsible for the mortgage meltdown, but in fact deprioritized investigations of mortgage fraud, making it the lowest-ranked criminal threat. That's according to an Inspector General report. Wow! So there you have it, folks. I mean, you know, and this goes on and on. There's a lot more, but, you know, hey, this is an hour show, so I'm not going to go through all of it. You can go look this up. You know how to use Google and stuff, but oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Really? I mean, how obvious does it have to be? And now that Eric Holder's not in office anymore, why isn't the lynch mob going after him? Oh, wait, I wonder why. Oh, we don't want to look at Loretta Lynch's record now, do we? Because if we do... If we do, well, there'll be a problem. All right, let's see. You know, one thing I do want to mention is when when I say there's no rule that 
people in the chat room have to talk about what I'm talking about. That's true. But there is a rule. You don't get to you don't get to post like other things to listen to. And that includes YouTube. Wait until after the live broadcasting's over. Now, sometimes I'll post a YouTube during the break. If it's a short one that had to do with something I was trying to, you know, make you see. But, you know, if you're going to go in and post things about, uh, hey, uh, you know, I'm doing my thing over here and, uh, you know, uh, hey, tune on into me over there. Well, you're going to be banned. Get it? Anyway. Just got to point things out. People don't get stuff. I, I don't understand. You know, it's kind of like you tell a kid, yeah, well, yeah, you can go outside. And then he thinks, well, while I'm outside, that means I can go rob the neighbor's house, too, because dad said I can go outside. No, not exactly. Well, I brought this up before, and we're about to take a break, so... I'll bring it up again right now. Seattle. Seattle, and I am not a proponent or supporter of smoking cigarettes. I think it's a disgusting, nasty habit, which I had myself for about 10 years, and I quit. That was probably 25 years ago, but, you know, uh, I just think it's, you know, but hey, you know what? I'm glad you don't smoke in restaurants anymore. I think it's stupid to ban smoking in bars, because bars, come on, man. You know what? If you don't like cigarette smoke or you can't handle it, don't go in a bar. That's what bars are about, drinking and smoking, gambling, playing pool, and, you know, that. It, it, but Seattle, you can't smoke outside now in Seattle. Yeah. Now, somebody pointed out to me the other day, yeah, well, city parks. Well, yeah, what about the sidewalks? Don't they consider that city property? Mm-hmm. Anyway, you realize there are a thousand other cities in the United States have similar laws than Seattle? Those of you that go to Starbucks and buy things there, uh, guess what? Price is going up. Yep, drinks are going up 5 to 20 cents, but don't worry. Starbucks is smart, see? They're raising all their prices, but they're raising their prices on stuff of, of more like hot drinks because it's summertime. And people apparently go into Starbucks now and get cold drinks. They're not raising those up until, of course, wintertime, but they didn't say that. And why is this happening? No, it's not because coffee's going up. No, it's because they want to spend more money on advertising and uh, this and that and the other thing. And, uh, well, you're going to have to pay for that. Really, folks, when when is it time for you to tell companies like Starbucks who promote homos, who are against gun rights? When, when does it come time for you to start protesting with your spending and saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to pick at your business. I'm not going to come over there with a sign. I'm not going to disrupt your business. But I will never spend another dime at your place. 
When when does that happen? Or do we just keep saying, well, you know, it's because, well, they let me sit here with my laptop. So, you know, that's fair. Huh. Yeah, really? You know what? You're funding the destruction of American society. Oh, yeah, not all by yourself. I get it. But you're doing your part. You see, you're sitting there doing your part to destroy America, and it might be a little part. It might only be $2.95 a day or something. But you're doing it every day, and it's, yeah, you're, you're funding a corporation that is working towards the destruction of this country. You're not spending $2.95 a day to help anything, are you? This is what's happened. Little by little, incremental destruction of this country. And it's not the bad guys that did it, it's you. Yeah, and I mean even the listeners of this network. Everybody. I myself have bought coffee at Starbucks. Now, I haven't in probably a year, and I don't ever plan to again, but I have... You know, till I slapped myself around the head and face and said, what are you doing, you moron? Why are you giving these people any money? What, you, there's nowhere else you can buy coffee? Well, you know what? Yes, there is. There's lots of places I can buy coffee other than Starbucks. And you know what? If you, if you support the homo agenda, if you support the disarming of Americans, then you know what? You should spend your money at Starbucks. But if you're against that, well, that's not the place for you to spend your money. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a bit. When I'm not playing solitaire, I take a book down from the shelf. And what with programs on the air, I keep pretty much to myself, Mr. Saturday Dance. Heard the crowded the floor. Couldn't bear it without you. Don't get around much anymore. But I visit the club. Guide as far as the door. They'd have asked me about you Don't get around much anymore Oh, darling, I guess My mind's more at ease But nevertheless Why stir up memories been invited on days Might have gone, but what for? Awfully different without you Don't get around much anymore 
ready But nevertheless Why stir up memories Been invited on day Might have gone but what for Awfully different without you Don't get around much anymore Don't get around much anymore Don't get around much anymore Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas, that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316-619-4886 316-619-4886 
All right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's July 8, 2015. It's Wednesday, about 844 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If you want to participate in the show, call in 800-932-1980 or go to the chat room. Uh TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. You'll see the chat link. Click it. It's easy. You should be able to handle it. Or if you have Instant Messenger, Yahoo Instant Messenger, that is. ABRN Talk is my screen name. So, all right, we're back. And uh, let's see here. The songs, the songs, the songs. The first band was, you ready? It's a famous band, The Ink Spots. That's who did the first one, Don't Get Around Much Anymore. Okay? And the second one, now, you know, there was a time when I wouldn't give this to the room. I would claim victory. But I'm going to be nice today. Because the room finally guessed Blondie for Ghost Riders in the Sky. Except it's not really Blondie. Because Blondie was Debbie Harry's band. And this song was not done by Debbie Harry's band. This was one of those things that Debbie Harry did by herself with other musicians. You know, like 50 other people have done Ghost Riders in the Sky. I mean, this, I, I guess, you know, I could I could probably go a couple of weeks only playing Ghost Rider in the Sky during, the, you know, both songs for the break by different bands. But it was Debbie Harry, so I'll give it to the room because they guessed Blondie, which that is Debbie Harry was the singer. For the band, Blondie. So, there you have it. So, we tied. They pulled that out right at the end. But hey, you know what? A a good guess is a good guess. All right, where were we? Where were we? You know, I, I, I talked about this earlier, about all these glitches. You know, but there's more glitches than we're reading in the news because people are emailing me. People are IMing me. People are telling me about all kinds of things like they couldn't use their cell phone this morning in California. Well, gee, we didn't hear anything about any glitches in California. We heard about the New York Stock Exchange. We heard about United Airlines. Hmm. Could it be a cyber attack? Or, now remember, a couple of weeks ago, now maybe last week, I, I, I brought it up, that I had been reading about somebody or some group in the San Francisco area has been cutting... Fiber optic cable. Okay? And disrupting a lot of internet. Now, the media has not gone nationwide on this. They haven't made a big deal about it, but it's been going on in San Francisco quite a bit, so much so that the FBI has been called in to try to help 
California, catch whoever's doing this. Now, what if people all around the country have heard about this? Because I heard about it. What if other people heard about it? Do you have any realization about how fragile this country's society has really gotten? You know, there was a time in this society where people were pretty much self-sufficient. Sure, you had to go down to the store and maybe buy a bag of grain or a bag of flour once a month or something like that. But hey, that was a luxury. Everything else you pretty much did on your own. Even the people in the cities grew their own gardens, washed their own laundry, did, you know, their own things. No more. Now everything, we live in the information age. Right? What happens if the information stops? What happens if communications stop? Huh? What happens to society? What happens to any society that claims they're in the information age and the information stops flowing? Hey, anybody ever seen Dune or read the book Dune? The spice must flow. Ooh, well, what happens when the, stu- when the spice stops flowing? See, the spice in that book or movies or miniseries is a representation of whatever your society depends on to function. And when it stops, so does your society. Now, when that happens in our society, do you really think, what percentage of our society do you think can survive or should I say, will survive when the lights go out, for instance. Because, you know, the power grid is all dependent on computers. All dependent on information. That's how they make everything so efficient. We're a very efficient society. But with efficiency... What comes with that? The more efficient you are, the more fragile you are. Because the less room you've got for mistakes. Because you're really efficient. you got no room for mistakes, man. What's going to happen then? What percentage? I mean, look, we're a nation of 330 million people. So even 10% is quite a big, you know, that's a lot of people. But it's a big country. If only 10% survive. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. And you know what? That's about what they're shooting for. Them, when I say them, I mean the New World Order, the United Nations. Hello? It doesn't have to be the imaginary boogeyman in the closet. It's the United Nations. You know, the guys with the big building in New York City, donated by Rockefeller? Yeah. Read their documents. 
That's about what they are looking for. 90%. See you later. Sayonara. Goodbye. See ya. Have a nice trip to, well, wherever. But you got to go. I truly believe that all they got to do is shut off the electricity. Now, whether they do that or not, probably they won't because they like to make a big show of everything. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I think the lights will go out. Oh, they might have riots, and they might have this, and they might do a nuclear war, and they might do, uh, there could be an asteroid, there could be anything. Okay, there could be lots of different things, or or nothing, or one of them, or whatever. But I think they're going to do something. They're not just going to say, ah, ah, boom, boom, out go the lights. They're going to have a reason. Oh, well, you know, well, you know, I mean, it's the nuclear war that put the lights out. It's the asteroid that put the lights out. It's the volcano going off that, you know, put the lights out. It's the EMP pulse from the sun that put the lights out. We didn't just shut it off. Oh, no, 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 no. We would never want that to happen. Even though all our documents say that's exactly what we want to happen and we want to kill you all. Why is it so hard for our neighbors to realize, to believe that the people in charge of the governments and economies of this planet Want us all dead. Why is that so difficult? I mean, all you have to do is go read what they've said. You know, really, that's all they got to do. They don't have to listen to me. I could be some crackpot making it all up. You don't know. Go to the UN website. Look up some of their documents, man. Look up uh, overpopulation, population control. Do a search. Check it out. Read the documents because you know what? They hide a lot of stuff and a lot of euphemisms. But what it all comes down to is 95% of this planet has to die in their mind. And you know... I got a feeling that if you're listening to this network, you're probably not in the 5% they're planning on saving. Just a guess. I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe that's exactly who they want to save. It's you. And me. Hey, here's a surprise. Not, but anyway... An experiment by a Swedish researcher reveals that an online network used to ensure secure Internet communications by itself may be under surveillance. I hope you're all sitting down, because I know a lot of you that listen to this network are familiar with what I'm about to mention. And you have used it yourself, as have I. Listen. Tor. That's T-O-R, is free open open source software and a popular open network used to anonymize communications on the Internet. In 2013, it received more than $1,800 in funding from the U.S. government. Now, 
$1,800? That's not much money now. That Can that be now? Here we have, look, we have two zeros, a comma, two zeros, an eight, another comma, and a one. Now, is that $1,800,000 or is that $1,800? I don't know. I think it's, I, I, <laughs> I'm hoping 18. Anyway, it received this funding from the U.S. government and previous sponsors include Google, the Ford Foundation, and DARPA. TOR stands for the Onion Router and was originally developed by the U.S. Naval Research Laboratory. In 2002, the Electronic Frontier Foundation took up and developed a project to provide a free means of ensuring the privacy of Internet users. The number of TOR users is estimated to be 2.5 million each day. Internet security researchers have suspected for a while that security and intelligence agencies might have set up their own nodes to sniff or read data as it's routed through the Tor network. To test this, the researcher known only by the pseudonym, Chloe, set up an experiment with a honeypot. This was essentially a fake domain name with multiple logins. She then used different nodes to log in, and then waited for a month for any signs that the nodes were being used to steal the login information. She found that seven of the 1,400 nodes she had tested were used to steal passwords and log in. As of now, though the bad nodes have been reported to Tor, they are still in operation. Chloe also came to the startling conclusion as a consequence of the data sniffing by some exit nodes, Tor users might actually be drawing attention to their own sites rather than ensuring their privacy. Mm, mm, mm. She said, The project Bad Onions is really simple. It works like this. You download a list of all the Tor exit nodes, and then you use the Stern API to connect to every exit node out there and log into a website over HTTP. If an exit node is sniffing the traffic, he will see my login, and now, when he has my password, he probably will do something bad with my account, or sell it. I don't know. So here's the catch. Every exit node has its unique password, and because Bad Onions saves every login, I can go back and check if a password has been used more than once. And if that's the case, I can simply look up which exit node that used that password. Uh-huh. The results are not that so, so surprising. But what is most surprising about this is that two nodes with the guard flag had logged in twice. Also, none of these nodes has been flagged even though I reported it to Tor. We can see there's passive MITM, man-in-the-middle attack, going on in the Tor network. This is done setting up fully functional and trustworthy exit node and start sniffing. We can also see that nodes that have been running so long that they have earned the guard flag also sniff traffic. We can also see that not all uses that not all uses the logins, but rather just visiting the website. This include, indicates that they are sniffing, but does not use the provided logins. 
Uh, obviously, Chloe, English is not Chloe's first la- uh, language. So by using Tor, you are drawing attention to your site. So there you have it, folks. You know, um, Tor has been, uh, you know, I thought Tor was a good way to anonymously surf. I don't use it much because it just slows things down and I don't really care. But, uh, you know, folks, stuff, even stuff you trust on the Internet can be compromised. So keep that in mind. If you're out there doing stuff that, you know, you figure, well, i got to be secret to do this. Well, if you're using Tor, you might not be as secret as you thought you were. Got to go. I'll be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316-619-4886. Vitamin E prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified Vitamin E Complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. What are actually in those shots you've been told are necessary to ward off scary diseases and your child must have in order to register for school? Mercury, formaldehyde, aluminum, and viruses cultured in diseased tissue of both animal and human origin are among the ingredients listed in vaccine package inserts. Make the only informed choice. Keep shots away from yourself and your children. Go to VaccineTruth.com or call 888-249-1421. It looks beautiful from the outside, but when you peel off the mask and talk to the victims, you uncover another part of the story. The documented evidence you are about to see may seem unbelievable, but it's all true. When they took my family, there wasn't anything else to live for. I tried to kill myself. Thank God I didn't succeed. I think the most difficult part of this for me is that they have turned my own beautiful children against me. You know, the brainwashing techniques of this organization are really incredibly effective. On behalf of a growing number of victims, Ed Decker, together with Dick Bear, themselves victims of this powerful organization, consulted with a Los Angeles-based law firm about filing a class-action lawsuit. Mr. Bayer, Mr. Decker, just what are we dealing with here? We're dealing with a massive organization, a multi-billion dollar corporation whose wealth is, is, is worldwide and whose influence is staggering. I've got records of, of many, many homes that have been shattered by these people. 
I consider it to be one of the most deceptive and most dangerous groups in the entire world. I have documentation that ties it into the occult, into Satanism. Mr. Decker, I don't, I don't doubt your sincerity, but I find this very hard to believe. I mean, these people pride themselves in a sense of family togetherness and a very conspicuous form of uh, moral rectitude. That's part of the incredible deception. And that's what we have to dig into, and we need, we need to expose it. We need to open it up to the truth. Salt Lake City, Utah. Mecca of Mormonism. One of the wealthiest and fastest growing religions with over five million members worldwide. To the outside world, the Mormon church presents a carefully groomed Osman family image. With an emphasis on family togetherness, an inspiring history and high moral standards, the Mormon church, also known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or LDS, turns out tens of thousands of missionaries a year whose goals are to spread Mormonism around the world. Most of them are trained here at Brigham Young University also known as BYU. To most of us, Mormons appear to be real Christians who live their faith. Dr. Harold Goodman, BYU professor, former Mormon bishop, currently an LDS mission president. Well, the church encourages the family to be as self-sustaining as possible in their activities, starting with the family home evening, where the father, who is the patriarch of the family, would gather his family together, there they would have a prayer, an opening song or two. Uh, I looked out the window and what did I see? Popcorn popping on the apricot tree. We are very much a family-centered church because we believe that strong families make for a strong nation, and strong nations make for a strong world. The Mormon church has had a phenomenal growth. In the next 50 years, it will be approximated about 70 million people to 100 million people. There are many reasons why this is so. One is the vast uh, missionary program we have over the world. Approximately right now, 28,000 missionaries and 186 missions. Thousands of early church members were recruited from Britain and brought over to supplement the church in America during the 1830s. Mr. Brian Grant is the Director of Public Relations for the Mormon Church in Great Britain and Ireland, where membership has increased a thousand percent in the last 20 years. I suppose everybody's idea of a Mormon missionary are those two dark young men who sort of ride around the town on bikes and knock on your door at uh, inopportune times. In actual fact, we have an increasing number of young women serving in the missionary field and also quite a lot of um, retired couples free of family responsibilities who feel that they too want to share the, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So many people have joined the church, I believe, because of the uh, gospel principles that it gives uh, understanding and enlightenment of who they are, uh, who they were, and what they may become. Jim and I came from very strong Christian families. We were introduced to Mormonism through a business partner of Jim's. I had always had this preconceived idea that a Mormon was somebody who went around dressed in black and had 16 wives, which was not true, of course. These people seemed to be Christian, 
any people that I had ever been around that were Christian, they had these the same attributes. Just kind, good, loving people, family-oriented. All the things they did revolved around their religion. People in the Mormon church, they were all so friendly. And they took me in by dances and all the different kids at school. They were all pushing me on saying, I'm so glad you're going to join the Mormon church. They got me into the church through their social program, which is fabulous and the family atmosphere, which was mine was broken up, therefore I went right to it. The youth uh, certainly uh, are the strength of the church in the future. Consequently, uh, we hold classes for the youth in on Sunday. We have uh, athletic events for our youth. We have socials uh, where they would have fun games, uh, dances. social events as well as regular church services are held in the chapels which are being built at a rate of two per day around the world. However, the few dozen Mormon temples serve a completely different purpose. No church services are held here. Only secret ceremonies which are reserved for an elite few. The goal of every Latter-day Saint is to be married as a family unit in the house of the Lord. And there receive these sacred blessings that will allow us to eventually, if we're worthy, to dwell and be in the presence of our Heavenly Father. You know, not all members of the church uh, go to the temple. That may be something that would surprise you, but to gain admittance to a temple, one has to have what's called a temple recommend. He has to receive a satisfactory interview from his bishop, and from his stake president, there he's asked, or she has asked, certain rather penetrating questions about their worthiness, their morality. If he's a full tithe peer, that is the only way that we can be with our Heavenly Father. Otherwise, uh, we could not be in his presence. By going through the temple and by adhering to various regulations, such as abstaining from tea or coffee, paying a substantial portion of your income to the Mormon church, and giving free labor to various church-run organizations, the worthy Mormon can become a god himself in the life hereafter, ruling over his own planet with a number of goddess wives. So you can see why the temple is so important to the Latter-day Saint. Because if he is worthy to go unto the temple, and there receive the sacred ordinances and covenants and keep them, he can eventually grow into becoming a god himself. Before this newly completed temple in Seattle was closed to all but a select group of Mormons, visitors were given the opportunity to get a glimpse inside. For many of these Mormons who came from thousands of miles away and stood for hours in the rain, this may be the only time they will ever be allowed to enter a Mormon temple. Tell me who God the Father is to you. He is like you and I, every human being on the face of the earth. So is he a man? Yes, he is. How did he get to be God? You know, the, the Mormon gods and goddesses, as Joseph Smith taught, were once upon a time just mere human, just like us. And they worked their way up to becoming gods. There's supposed to be billions of these highly evolved humanoids somewhere out in space overseeing their own planet. 
This sounds like science fiction or Greek mythology. Would you say that the average Mormon believes these things? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Floyd C. McAlvin, author of the bestseller, The Mormon Illusion. They believe that God eternally progressed, that once he was a man and then he became God. From that comes their doctrine that all can progress, progress to be God. For instance, uh, in Articles of Faith, they have this by Talmadge, that as man is, God once was. As God is, man may become. So their whole doctrine flows from this about becoming God. Gods and goddesses just won't fly in the jury room. Gentlemen, a jury uh, feel a responsibility to be skeptical. You need to feed them information that, that has a taste of truth to it. And what you're telling us, I really don't think they're going to swallow it, do you? I did for 19 years. Again, you have to understand the peculiar belief evolving around the Mormon temple marriage. They believe that their godhood is tied to, to eternal exaltation through the marriage and through the family unit. The Mormon Church teaches that in order for me to become a goddess, I needed to marry a Mormon man in good standing with the church. And without a husband that could take me through the temple, I wouldn't be able to go to heaven and be with my Heavenly Father. According to Mormon theology, husbands and wives who have successfully achieved godhood will be required to populate their own planet by procreating as many spirit children as possible. Ever since I was a little girl, I was taught that my primary purpose was to become a goddess in heaven so that I could multiply and earth. And I wanted that. I wanted to be eternally pregnant and look down on an earth and say, that's mine. And I populated that whole earth and all those little babies I had. And to tell you the truth, I find it extremely difficult to believe that the Mormon attorneys and judges I know actually expect to become uh, infinite gods, peopling new worlds and, and engaging in celestial sex with their goddess wives. <laughs> Why don't you ask them? Uh, well, I would be uh, embarrassed, uh, to be honest with you. And uh, if it's true, as you've suggested, that these uh, people do plan to reproduce themselves across the universe, well, I'd rather not know about it. Uh, we do business with these gentlemen. That's why it's such a secret. That's why even the Mormons don't talk about it. They're embarrassed by it, too. Look, Mormonism is based upon the belief that extraterrestrial humanoids from a star in a distant place called Kolob visited this earth, came down to this earth and visited a young boy, 14-year-old boy by the name of Joseph Smith. We had a little animation done to show the difference between Mormonism and Christianity because Mormonism is so far removed from Orthodox Christianity. I'd like to show it to you for a moment, if you don't mind. Mormonism teaches that trillions of planets scattered throughout the cosmos are ruled by countless gods who once were human like us. They say that long ago on one of these planets, to an unidentified god and one of his goddess wives, a spirit child named Elohim was conceived. This spirit child was later born to human parents who gave him a physical body. Through obedience to Mormon teaching and death and resurrection, he proved himself worthy and was elevated to godhood as his father before him. 
Mormons believe that Elohim is their heavenly father and that he lives with his many goddess wives on a planet near a mysterious star called Korah. Here, the god of Mormonism and his wives, through endless celestial sex, produced billions of spirit children. To decide their destiny, the head of the Mormon gods called a great heavenly council meeting. Both of Elohim's eldest sons were there, Lucifer and his brother Jesus. A plan was presented to build planet Earth, where the spirit children would be sent to take on mortal bodies and learn good from evil. Lucifer stood and made his bid for becoming savior of this new world. Wanting the glory for himself, he planned to force everyone to become gods. Opposing the idea, the Mormon Jesus suggested giving man his freedom of choice, as on other planets. The vote that followed approved the proposal of the Mormon Jesus, who would become savior of the planet Earth. Enraged, Lucifer cunningly convinced one-third of the spirits destined for Earth to fight with him in revolt. Thus, Lucifer became the devil and his followers the demons. Sent to this world, they would forever be denied bodies of flesh and bone. Those who remained neutral in the battle were cursed to be born with black skin. This is the Mormon explanation for the Negro race. The spirits that fought most valiantly against Lucifer would be born into Mormon families on planet Earth. These would be the lighter-skinned people, or white and delightsome, as the Book of Mormon describes them. Early Mormon prophets taught that Elohim and one of his goddess wives came to Earth as Adam and Eve to start the human race. Thousands of years later, Elohim, in human form once again, journeyed to Earth from the star base Kolob, this time to have sex with the Virgin Mary, in order to provide Jesus with a physical body. Mormon apostle Orson Pratt taught that after Jesus Christ grew to manhood, he took at least three wives, Mary, Martha, and Mary Magdalene. Through these wives, the Mormon Jesus, for whom Joseph Smith claimed direct descent, supposedly fathered a number of children before he was crucified. According to the Book of Mormon, after his resurrection, Jesus came to the Americas to preach to the Indians, who the Mormons believe are really Israelites. Thus, the Jesus of Mormonism established his church in the Americas as he had in Palestine. The dark-skinned Indian Israelites, known as Lamanites, had destroyed all of the white Nephites in a number of great battles. The Nephites' records were supposedly written on golden plates and buried by Moroni, the last living Nephite in the hill Cumorah. Fourteen hundred years later, a young treasure seeker named Joseph Smith who was known for his tall tales, claimed to have uncovered these same gold plates near his home in upstate New York. 
He is now honored by Mormons as a prophet because he claimed to have had visions from the spirit world in which he was commanded to organize the Mormon church because all Christian creeds were an abomination. It was Joseph Smith who originated most of these peculiar doctrines which millions today believe to be true. By maintaining a rigid code of financial and moral requirements and through performing secret temple rituals for themselves and the dead, the Latter-day Saints hope to prove their worthiness and thus become gods. The Mormons teach that everyone must stand at the final judgment before Joseph Smith, the Mormon Jesus, and Elohim. Those Mormons who were sealed in the eternal marriage ceremony expect to become polygamous gods in the celestial kingdom, rule over other planets, and spawn new families throughout eternity. The Mormons thank God for Joseph Smith, who claimed that he had done more for us than any other man, including Jesus Christ. The Mormons believe that he died as a martyr, shed his blood for us, so that we too may become gods. Space gods from Koloff. Sounds like Von Deineken or Battlestar Galactica, but we know it's bizarre. I know as a finite being I can never become an infinite god. It's a logical absurdity. That's when I stopped believing it, but I couldn't get my wife to even talk about it. She had to divorce me and find uh, another man that was working his way to godhood or she could not become a god. Are you saying that the Mormon church pressures individuals into divorcing their spouses when they're not measuring up to the church's standards and also pressures them into marrying another spouse who is working for this godhood? There's no doubt my motivation in all of this stems partly from my own personal experiences. I look back on my own life seeing a bishop counseled me to divorce my wife, uh, seeing my five children whom I raised in the Mormon church pulled from me, and spending all these years just trying to reestablish those relationships. I know literally hundreds of families whose stories like this could, could break your heart. He was raised Christian, and I was raised Mormon. We just had a very beautiful relationship, but it always came back to the Mormonism. I had to convert him in some way, and after two and a half years of really trying hard, I just couldn't do it, and I was advised to divorce him. Well, it became obvious to the church leaders that my husband was not going to go along with the church standards of the word of wisdom and had no desire to be active in the priesthood. And so they thought that it was perfectly fine and accessible and encouraged me to divorce my husband. The second visit to the counselor, he went over our, the things that we had told him and he said, well, there are just some people that shouldn't be married. I couldn't imagine a bishop uh, actively counseling for divorce. His job is to seek for ways in which the, the marriage partners can be reconciled. And yet in my case, my wife was advised by the bishop it would be best to, to, for her to divorce me. There will be situations where, for reasons of incom incompatibility of one form or another, uh, divorce will become inevitable. 
but uh, because we have such a firm belief in the in the family unit and the the sanctity of family life it's uh, it would really would be the end of the road and not something that was ever entered into in terms of, uh, of a convenience I went to my bishop and he advised me that it would be better for me to live without him and to be a servant in Mormon heaven than to stay married to him. And here is a church that teaches family unity and they destroyed my marriage. Gentlemen, this isn't helping your case. Uh, these people have the religious freedom to believe anything they want to. But why should they have the freedom to break up families and destroy lives? The pressure on the Mormon women is incredible. They must be perfect. They swear a, an oath of, of total obedience to the, to the husband in the Mormon temple. There's a whole area of psychiatric care dealing with the depression in the Mormon woman. I have a friend who is a nurse in the psychiatric ward, and she came to me and asked, why is it that there's so many Mormon women in my wing? What, what's the trouble? And I believe that it's simply because it is an impossibility to live up to the standards that are put upon these Mormon women. They must be perfect so that they can go to exaltation with their husbands. They don't even get out of the grave unless the husband calls them forth on the morning of the first resurrection. And if you do make it to celestial exaltation, heaven to the Mormon woman is being pregnant for all eternity. Uh, one spirit baby after the next. It came a point in my life as a Mormon woman that things were not going right at all. My whole time was spent in doing what the Mormon leaders had told me to do. In fact, I came to the point where I felt like life just wasn't worth living anymore. Sandra Tanner, ex-Mormon, author, researcher, considered to be one of the greatest living authorities on Mormonism. Utah has a higher than the national average rate of divorce. It has higher than the national average rate of suicide, especially teen suicide. It's much higher in Utah than it is nationally. This is partly due to the fact that Mormons emphasize perfection. And so many of these young people feel defeated in their striving for godhood. They can't measure up to everything the church is asking of them and it just so demolishes their self-esteem that they can't go on and so then they take their life. I always felt like I wasn't, uh, I wasn't doing good enough uh, in the eyes of God. I couldn't ask for a better brother than Kip. Gene and Perry Eliason, father and brother of young Kip who committed suicide early in 1982 at the age of 16. Kip was almost a perfect son. He was a four-point student, capital high school. He was involved with a track team where he got the most inspirational track team member. Kip was my best friend and partner since his mother passed away when he was five years old. The last two years, Kip was busy with his other activities with the church that most of our outside activities came to a halt. The more deeply Kip got involved with the church, uh, the more depressed he became. So I sat down with Kip and would discuss this problem with him and uh, to find out what was bothering him. At that point, he told me that uh, he had feelings, uh, sexual feelings that were in direct conflict with the teachings of the church. When Kip went to the LDS counselors, they only reinforced the teachings of the church, which just increased Kip's feelings of unworthiness. I know what Kip was going through. I went to the same type interviews that he did. The pressure was great to strive for worthiness, to be perfect all the time. 
The only problem is Kip took it a little too seriously. The Mormon Church, with its beautiful ads in the Reader's Digest, would like us to believe that it's Christian through and through. Yet, what the outsider sees is not what the insider sees. In, in the Mormon Church, the, uh, the Book of Mormon itself calls the Christian body the Whore of Babylon. The temple ceremony mocks the Christian pastor, calls him a hireling of Satan. Once I got into the church, I was asking questions, and it wasn't the same. It wasn't Christian as they had told my mom and myself. It just wasn't right. Anyone that believes in Christ is a Christian. And we believe that we are Christians uh, above all other denominations because we have so much revealed information about our Redeemer, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Mormons are instructed to use Christian terminology when talking to potential converts. Words such as God, Jesus, and salvation all have different Mormon meanings, which the outsider may not be aware of. Uh, do you consider Mormonism Christianity? Yes, I do. We believe in God, the Eternal Father, and in the Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost. There are so many that have part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We think the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has all of the gospel in its total fullness. Joseph Smith's first vision is the cornerstone of the Mormon church, and yet there are nine versions, each of which contradicts the other. Mormon leaders are deliberately keeping from you the true history of their religion, because they know you will have a hard time believing it's from God if you saw how it really was all put together. In the unpublished accounts, we find that Joseph Smith first said it was just Jesus that appeared to him. The second time he wrote a story down, a few years later, he says many angels appeared to him. Then some years later, he says that two beings appeared. He changes the date. He changes how old he is. He changes the motivation, why he went into the woods to pray. He changes who was there, and he changes what the message was that they gave him. So if he were uh, giving us an actual account of a real experience, we would assume he would have known the first time around whether it was God or Jesus, if it was both of them, what their message was and when it happened. Yet we find him redrafting this story. Well, if you were a witness of an accident and someone asked you to tell about it, if you gave three accounts as divergent as those three are, people would say you couldn't have witnessed the event. The Mormon Church keeps changing its scriptures. The the changes are incredible. There's so many thousands of them. Recently, they canonized the 137th section of the Doctrine and Covenants. When I read this for the first time, I recognized that they omitted over 200 words of the actual revelation as written by Joseph Smith. Why did the church omit the 200 words? Because they contain three blatantly false revelations, prophecies of Joseph Smith. You know, Joseph Smith said the moon was inhabited with people dressed like Quakers and living to be a, a, about a thousand years of age. And Brigham Young seconded it when he said that the moon not only was inhabited, but the sun was inhabited. I believe some of the strongest anti-Mormon literature, if you want to call it that, is the actual publications of the Mormon Church. If I believe that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young were prophets of the living God, I'd have to be a polygamist. The true doctrine teaches that there is no eternal life without a polygamous relationship. Thelma Gear, author, lecturer, outspoken ex-Mormon, and great-granddaughter of convicted Mormon assassin, 
John D. Lee. Sitting here by this fireplace, I'm reminded of my great-grandfather, John D. Lee, who was a Mormon pioneer, a bodyguard for Joseph Smith and Brigham Young as they visited secretly their numerous polygamous wives. I'm reminded that my great-grandfather had 19 wives and 64 children. Emma Smith, Joseph's wife, uh, is admonished in this same Doctrine and Covenants to uh, be obedient to the call and to accept these other wives of Joseph Smith or receive the, uh, the penalty thereof. This uh, diary tells how Joseph was sneaking around behind Emma's back to practice polygamy, how he had to promise Emma he would give up all his plural wives just for her, and yet he tells his friend that I had to tell Emma that, but I didn't really mean it. Today in Utah, there are approximately 25,000 polygamous marriages. These people are the fundamentalists who believe that Brigham Young was a prophet of God and, and that this section of the DNC is true and that they cannot take away this eternal covenant with God by some law of the land. The Mormon Church has deliberately hidden the records of its early church leaders, of the early documents, their early publications from their members. Ron Prittis business manager of the Seventh East Press, a newspaper published by young Mormons seeking reform in the church through exposing Mormon cover-ups. Some of the items uh, that have brought the most uh, attention to the paper are uh, items of church history, theology, and some of the dishonesty on the part of some of the administrators in dealing with students. There are so many things in the church records. If they were open for public inspection, it would tarnish this beautiful image that the church puts out. The missionary comes to your door. We have a beautiful story to tell you about families, and they want to tell you what a glorious place this is to raise your children. Uh, the missionary isn't part of the cover-up. He doesn't know this. He has been told that everything will check out. It's all 100% true. He thinks the records are open. He doesn't even realize he couldn't go to Salt Lake and see these documents for himself. We're in the Christian uh, faith, we, we find our scholars looking for earlier manuscripts, always refining, always going back to the, to the earliest manuscripts to improve and, and, and validate the authenticity of the Holy Scripture. In Mormonism, it's completely the opposite. So leaders have to go back and rework, rewrite, cover up, change, delete, add, all the way through on uh, all of their books, their history, their scriptures. Uh, they suppress their diaries because these things show the uh, confusion and the um, man-made nature of the theology and the religion. The Book of Mormon claims to be an actual historical record translated from real plates that Joseph Smith unearthed in a hill in New York. Now, if this is a genuine history, one would assume you could study this just like you would study any historical book. Dr. Charles Crane, author, college professor, expert on Mormon archaeology. As we look at the Book of Mormon, we find an entirely different story. Instead of being an actual record of actual fact, I have looked over maps, checked uh, archaeological information, and I still am left to wonder, where is the land of Zarahemla? Where is the Valley of Nimrod? Where are the plains of Nephihah? I have been unable to find a record of even one city as mentioned in the Book of Mormon. We turn to the Book of Mormon, we have nothing. There is no Nephite language. There are no Nephite cities. There is not a map in any Book of Mormon. 
you cannot locate any site. There is no evidence for the book, and yet it's supposed to be a historical record. Dr. Richard Fales, author, lecturer, archaeologist. We have never excavated one single artifact that even remotely relates to this alleged civilization that the Mormons claim existed in the United States, Central America, and in South America. No archaeological evidence has been found to authenticate the vast American empire described in the Book of Mormon. And yet, archaeology has been able to prove the existence of all great civilizations, including those of biblical times. For instance, these coins mentioned in the Bible, the shekel, the dram, the widow's mite, have all been found in abundance. What do we find when we look at the Book of Mormon? In Alma, the 11th chapter, verses 5 through 19, is a listing of the coinage of the period of time that was used by these people. It lists the senine of gold, the sion of gold, the shum of gold. They had lesser coins, the shiblon, the shiblum, the leah. Need it be said at this point that not one of these coins has ever been found. Many people do not understand the Book of Mormon. Um, this is a history of the uh, people that inhabited the American continent, North, South, and Central America from about 600 B.C. till about 420 A.D. And we have uh, much evidence, of course, of people having lived uh, there. I am led to believe uh, from my research that this is not an actual story, but is a fairy tale, much like Alice in Wonderland. Decades of searching by Mormon archaeologists have failed to uncover one scrap of evidence regarding the people or the places or the events in the Book of Mormon. And Mormon missionaries throughout the world are converting people to the Mormon Church by explaining to them that archaeology has proven the Book of Mormon to be true. One of the Mormon Church's standard works of scripture is called the Pearl of Great Price. In this is the Book of Abraham that Joseph Smith claimed was translated from some papyrus fragments that he purchased from an Egyptologist traveling through the area. And by 1842, with no knowledge of the Egyptian language, he translated that into what is called the Book of Abraham. That manuscript disappeared until 1967. It has now resurfaced. Several famous Egyptologists have now looked at it, translated it, and have found that it doesn't have anything to do with the time of Abraham at all. But Joseph Smith did not get right even one word in this whole translation. In fact, he took one little letter that looks like a backwards E and translated it in over, into over 76 words with seven names. Well, there are certain things that are embarrassing to the church. It never ceases to amaze me the number of intelligent people that are in the Mormon church that still accept things that cannot be substantiated. They get so locked in that they're afraid to even take another look. We've run into it many times where they have admitted that rather than sit down and study with us, they'll accept what their church leaders tell them. The Mormon church has a living prophet whose very words can override biblical scriptures or any previous Mormon writing. For example, Prophet Spencer W. Kimball, amidst increasing social pressure, recently had a divine revelation which enabled him to lift the curse off blacks who up until then had been considered by the Mormon church to be low in their habits, inferior in their looks, mischievous, treacherous, and generally deprived of intelligence. Prophet Brigham Young had previously stated that any Mormon marrying a Negro would be killed on the spot 
and that this sacred law must never change. I read in a Mormon publication uh, an article by the current prophet of the church where he described his power as the president of the church. And in it he was saying that he was basically the liaison between man and God. We believe that the most important prophet to us is the present prophet. So when he speaks as a prophet, we believe that it is as though the Lord was speaking. The finality of the Mormon theology is not based upon evaluation by scriptural evidence, but based entirely upon a burning in the bosom. The Mormon scriptures tell you that that's what you must seek. When the Mormon missionaries come to your home, they'll talk to you about the Book of Mormon, they'll talk about the Prophet Joseph Smith, and when they're done, they'll ask you to pray about it and to seek that divine burning in the bosom that they have, and that this will prove to you that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God, that the Book of Mormon is really Scripture. And so it becomes a subjective evaluation. Scripture is not to be tested. They would encourage us then to read the Book of Mormon. Uh, nothing in the Bible but to read various sections of the Book of Mormon and to pray about it that we might know it was true. When we discuss these things with Mormons, some will say, I don't care if every prophecy of Joseph Smith is proven wrong. I have a burning in my bosom that I know that the church is true. I'll say, have you tested him? I'm not going to test him. I have that burning in my bosom. It's that total and complete trust in anything Mormon. What you are seeing is an authentic first time ever on film reenactment of secret Mormon temple ceremonies that even most Mormons have never seen. And those who have, have sworn never to reveal these secrets under penalty of death. The execution of the penalty is represented by placing the right thumb under the left ear, drawing the thumb quickly across the throat to the right ear, and dropping the hand to the side. All of us who've been through the temple have sworn solemn oaths consenting to having our throat slit and our heart and our vitals throat torn out. The execution of the penalty is represented by drawing the thumb quickly across the body and dropping the hands to the side. In the Mormon temple marriage, the partners are sealed to each other for time and all eternity in mason-like rituals. And without this ceremony, no one can enter the presence of Joseph Smith and become a god. Hey, lay, air. Brother Pratt, having authority, I wash you preparatory to receiving your anointings for and in behalf of John Kimball, who is dead, that you may become clean from the blood and sins of this generation. Mr. Bradford, I wash you preparatory to you receiving your anointings for on behalf of... Eliza Barrett. Eliza Barrett, who is dead, that you may become clean from the blood and sins of this generation. I wash your head, that your brain and intellect may become clear and active. Your eyes, that you may see clearly and discern between truth and error. Thousands of occultic ceremonies each day are performed for the dead so that they too can receive the benefits of Mormonism. Mormons are encouraged to have encounters with the dead. And it's not uncommon for demons impersonating the dead to appear to Mormons stating that they've been converted to the Mormon church in the spirit world and now want their family history traced. Your loins, that you may be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, that you may have joy in your posterity. Your vitals and bowels, that they may be strong and healthy and perform their proper function. 
your breast, that it may be the receptacle of pure and virtuous principles. Our living prophet has told us there are three purposes of the church. One is to proclaim the gospel that we've talked about. The other is to perfect the lives of the saints. And the third is to redeem the dead. Consequently, we're actively engaged in doing research work of names and places of birth dates of our families as well as all other mortals that we possibly can. A unique characteristic which sets apart the Mormon church from all other major religions is its fanatical program to evangelize the dead and because of this, the Mormon church operates the largest genealogical center in the world, complete with a staff of over 600 who sort and catalog incoming census rolls, church registers, wills and deeds. This information is transferred to microfilm and stored here, 20 miles outside Salt Lake City. I do the research, and then I take their names to the temple and have them baptized and have them sealed in the house of the Lord as family units. When a Mormon goes through the temple to receive his endowments, he's given a pair of this holy Mormon underwear, and he's instructed to wear it at all times. This garment is supposed to be all magical, all protective uh, piece of material that will keep you from harm if you are living the gospel of the Latter-day Saints. But I have to be frank with you, it's probably the most unattractive, uh, dehumanizing piece of material that could be worn. There are no statistics that prove that these temple garments have saved anybody from anything. Although Mormons circulate stories about how these garments, because of their magical power, have saved them from fiery deaths and, and all kinds of harm and accident or they go to the hospital and deliver babies and they refuse to have them taken off to the point where a doctor has to cut them off in order to deliver a baby. After I'd helped my grandmother to bathe and help her out of the tub, we would dry the left leg, put the clean garment on the, the left leg, and then and then only could she take off the garment from the right leg. The garment is supposed to be worn next to your skin and with your other undergarments on top of that as to protect your body. It's really just like wearing a rabbit's foot. It's a superstition. Joseph Smith was heavily involved in the occult. He kept a seer stone that he used uh, as a crystal ball to divine the location of hidden treasures and to translate the golden plates. In 1826, Joseph Smith was arrested and convicted for pretending to find buried treasure with that stone. These special markings in the temple garment make this a special amulet, which is called a talisman. Here in Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible, under the section called Infernal Names, I want to show you something. Here we have the god Mormo, who is king of the ghouls, god of the living dead. And those people that follow him are called Mormons. That's just the kind of conclusion that we can't jump to. It could be a coincidence. Except that Mormons are obsessed with genealogies and temple rites and rituals for the dead, whom they believe can visit the living and who can convert to Mormonism even in the grave. In Chinese, Mormon means gates of hell. That's why the Mormon missionaries have problems in Hong Kong, for instance. They have to avoid using the word Mormon in trying to convert the Chinese. Dr. John L. Smith, author and expert on the vast wealth of the Mormon church. The Mormon Church is the second largest financial institution west of the Mississippi River. 
The Mormon Church wields economic power more effectively than any other organized religion in the world. They own the $2.6 billion beneficial life insurance company, the Deseret Management and Trust Corporation, hospitals, schools, apartment buildings, farms. They are a major stockholder in the L.A. Times. They own TV and radio stations, the ZCMI department store chain. They have vast land holdings with ownerships in all 50 American states, throughout Canada and Europe, and on every continent. Two-thirds of their properties are tax-exempt. Billions of dollars are extracted from church members each year through their mandatory tithing program. It's very difficult to tell what the Mormon church actually owns. Someone has said that even the president of the Mormon church may not know because they might have uh, bought something yesterday or sold something today. Mormons own a substantial portion of Hawaii. They, they are one of the major financial institutions of this area. When you go to the Polynesian Culture Center, they offer you a tour over to their temple. And next to the Salt Lake Temple, the Hawaiian Temple receives the second largest number of visitors. They give you a film presentation of the Mormon Church and have you sign in. And then that name and address is forwarded to a missionary in the area that they're from. And soon after you return home from your visit to the temple in Hawaii, you will receive a knock from the Mormon missionary asking you how you enjoyed your visit to the temple and would you like to know more about the church. Using it as an, a way to get in to share with people the doctrine of Mormonism. The Mormons have many other ways of recruiting members through door-to-door -door missionaries, visitor centers, through the thousands of church-sponsored Boy Scout troops and educational institutions, and through the Mormon-controlled Marriott Hotel chain, which places Mormon literature in every room. And for all its talk of building an ideal society, Utah, which is 75% Mormon, leads the nation in bankruptcy and stock fraud, and ranks among the highest in divorce, suicide, child abuse, teenage pregnancy, venereal disease, and bigamy. There are many people in the Mormon church that are having trouble believing it. Many that are in it that don't really believe it at all. My son realized after about five or six months that he had made a mistake in joining the Mormon church. And one of the main things that made him realize that was the ridiculousness of the idea that the Mormons teach that you can become a god. I remember going to, in to talk to the bishop, oh, just shortly before I decided to leave the church. And I asked him, I said, Bishop, where is the love in this church? And I, I sat with tears running down my eyes, asking him, we're, I don't feel loved. We hear all of this thing, these things about love and how we're taking care of everybody and, and family home evening and all of these. But where's the love? Why don't I feel loved? And he just sat there looking at me like he didn't have a bit of feeling. Mormonism undercuts the Bible. It undercuts all the other churches. So that the Mormon that starts to lose faith in Mormonism will usually feel there's nothing out there to look into. I, in fact, believe that if the Mormon church wasn't true, there was no true church. I had one of those burning testimonies of the Mormon church. When I was growing up, all through the years of, our, of my childhood, my sisters and my brother and I were all best of friends and had a beautiful relationship. Since I've come out of the Mormon church, my sisters and I have had no relationship at all. One of the rules in the Mormon church is that if you want to go to the temple, you can't associate with apostate member, and that's what they call me. 
After I left the church, things were the same. My friends, a lot of my friends wouldn't talk to me. Now, even though we had be, I had left the church of my own free will, because I knew it was no longer true, you are excommunicated in the Mormon church, and that excommunication is a, a dirty term. With a few rare exceptions, almost all of our Mormon friends just really wanted to have nothing to do with us. I was totally alienated. My boyfriend that I'd had all the year I was at BYU just would have nothing to do with me. He was preparing for his mission, and he wouldn't talk to me. He just said flat out, you know, you're not going to the temple with me, so that's it. It was uh, my friends were told not to have anything to do with me. These two, two kids of ours were on campus at the local college, and they would bring some Mormon kids over to talk to me. And somebody there at the institute told them we had been excommunicated for adultery. And that is the biggest lie there ever was. In Utah, it's very hard for someone to leave the church and make it public. There is, first of all, the threat for your job. You may have a Mormon employer, and this could seriously threaten your work position. Many of the people I see work for the church itself and are afraid of losing their position. Some are afraid of divorce. I know people in high positions that do not believe Mormonism. I've talked to a Mormon bishop that told me he didn't believe Mormonism at all. Recently, a Mormon family that we know, um, even the husband, began asking questions. He called one night and he said, I'm, I know what you're saying now is true. There's no doubt in my mind I can't punch any holes in it. But he said, I'm scared to death that I'm going to lose my wife and my children and my business because when I make this known, what I have discovered, I will lose it all. The motivation for many of them is that Mormonism is a nice place to raise your family. It's the easy road. If you're already here and you're already in it, then why upset things? The biggest danger was that they took me in and I was thinking it was a Christian church. And it wasn't a Christian church. It was a cult. Instead of going back to one of the standard works of the church, I went to the Bible. And I started reading and made up my mind I was going to go from cover to cover. And in the second chapter of Genesis, I, I studied how uh, Eve was convinced by Satan to eat the fruit, that she could become a god. And then in the 14th chapter of Isaiah, uh, Lucifer was cast out of heaven because he too wanted to be equal to or greater than God. I began studying the Bible, became aware of the real Jesus, the real God, and began to understand that the God of Mormonism was not the God of the Bible. We lived the word of wisdom, we attended our meetings, we paid our tithing, we had family home evening, we did all the things we were supposed to do. And when I became a Christian, I suddenly was not the good person I thought I was because God revealed to us our inner pride, the, our inner problems, the things that had not been in focus before because we were so concerned in the outward things. We were so happy with the outward things we were doing that that made us rest thinking we were okay. I was lonely as a child in the church. I was lonely as a married person in the church. I was lonely as a single person in the church. But when I met the Lord, I knew that there was some, someone that would be with me all of the time. I remembered that I should ask Jesus into my heart. I remembered hearing my Christian friends say that. So I got down on my knees one day when I was all alone and asked Jesus to come into my heart. I didn't know what I was doing, but when I got up, I had been born again. I found out that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. 
and not an organization. I had been looking all my life for something in the Mormon church, and I couldn't put my finger on what I was looking for. Now, when my mom accepted Christ in her life, she shared it with me. I saw a joy in her life that I had never seen before in all her activity in the Mormon church. And uh, this is what I needed. I feel very grateful to God that our whole family, my wife and myself and seven lovely children, have come out of the Mormon church and know Jesus Christ in a very personal way. Mr. Decker, Mr. Bear, I don't think we can take the case. But there is fraud. Deliberate misrepresentation. And the families, the lives that are being destroyed. You don't have the money to fight the Mormon church. They have billions. This thing could go on for years. And they have the resources to do it. You've taken us to Kolob and back, but I don't think we can get a jury to accompany us. Cults are protected under the present legal system and will continue to proliferate at the expense of human lives and families. This is all I have left for my son Kip. It's the last letter he left me. Dad, I love you more than words can say. If it were possible, I would stay alive for only you. For I really only love you, but it's not possible. I must first love myself, and I do not. The strange feeling of darkness and self-hate overpowers all my defenses. I must unfortunately yield to it. This turbulent feeling is only for a few to truly understand. I feel that you do not comprehend the immense feeling of self-hatred I have. This is the only way I feel that I can relieve myself of these feelings now. Hurry on with your life and be happy. I love you more than words can say. If you had to leave today, what would you miss the most? Leave from the church. The church? From the church? Mm -hmm. I would rather be dead. Good afternoon, ma'am. Um, we'd like to talk to you about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. About the goodness of goji? Now experience it for real. 100% wildcrafted, sun-dried goji berries from the ancient valleys of the Himalaya Mountains. Here's the deal. You get 10 times more raw goji fruit than what is contained in a leading brand of goji juice for half the price. $19.95 per single pound of pure sun-dried goji berries or 10 pounds for only $120. You do the math. And as an American Voice radio special, for Spectrum will waive the shipping fee. Go to www.4spectrum.us or call 1-800-581-8906. That's 1-800-581-8906 or visit www.4spectrum. That's the number 4spectrum.us. And don't forget to tell them you heard it right here on AVR. Would you stick your head in a microwave and turn it on? You'd be dead in short order if you did. Then why would you use your cell phone without a filter to shield you from radiation? Use the Wave Shield, tested and proven to reduce tumors in and around your ear where you hold your phone. This is true for portable phones and even Bluetooth where the antenna acts like a lightning rod zapping your ear with radiation. The solution is simple. 
Order the Wave Shield, an inexpensive filter that easily goes right on your cell phone and blocks radiation going in your ear up to 99%. Go to theamericanvoice.com or call toll-free 866-989-9147. It's affordable and a lifesaver. Again, that's theamericanvoice.com or call toll-free 866-989-9147. Get a filter for your cell phone now to spare yourself and your loved ones from cancer. Mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. to the American Voice Radio Network on free-to-air KU satellite at Galaxy 25, Transponder 5, frequency 11836 vertical. You can listen to the American Voice 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The biggest danger was that they took me in and I was thinking it was a Christian church. And it wasn't a Christian church. It was a cult. Joseph Smith did not get right even one word in this whole translation. So leaders have to go back and rework, rewrite, cover up, change, delete, add, all the way through on uh, all of their books. He can eventually grow into becoming a God himself. Are you saying that the Mormon church pressures individuals into divorcing their spouses when they're not measuring up to the church's standards? And here's a church that teaches family unity, and they destroyed my marriage. In the early 1980s, two revolutionary motion pictures, The Godmakers and The Temple of the Godmakers, were released. For the first time ever on film, the heresies of Mormonism were revealed and the world was exposed to some of the darkest secrets of the Latter-day Saints. These disclosures, showing Mormonism to be distinctly separate from Christianity, caused mayhem within the Mormon Empire. They forced Mormon leadership to modify several so-called unchangeable sacred doctrines to not only counter the message of the films, but to vie again for a place alongside Christianity. While doctrinal changes have been going on since the beginning of the foundation of Mormonism, the changes of the 90s are the most dangerous. We are seeing Mormonism being repackaged with an endearing Christian wrapper. More than ever, the LDS church people are working harder to look more Christian than the Christians. They are spending tens of millions of dollars annually on ad campaigns appealing specifically to the Christian market. Christians must realize that the Mormon hope of appearing Christian is not reflected in their teachings. The recent changes are only cosmetic. Don't be deceived by the pretty new face. I was an active and devout member of what I regarded to be the only true church on earth. I had a burning desire to please God. Much like converts to the Mormon church today, I was attracted by its call to moral decency, its virtuous pro-family values, 
its politically conservative emphasis and outspoken enthusiasm for what I believe to be real Christianity. Today, the powerful Mormon Church claims a membership of over 8 million people and a determined missionary program steadily converts over 300,000 people annually. Out of the 4.2 million members in the USA, 60 to 80 percent of its converts are said to come from Christian backgrounds. As Mormons strive to be classified as Christians, they obscure their anti-Christian identity and deceive millions worldwide into joining what they promote as another Christian denomination. In just over 160 years, the Mormon Church has become one of the world's most powerful financial institutions. Literally billions of dollars a year are received from its faithful members in the forms of tithes. One conservative guesses that $15 million a day is harvested from Mormons worldwide, with over half that from Mormons in America alone. In addition, the Mormon Church generates more than $6 billion yearly through its main business enterprises and subsidiaries. This income places them among the world's wealthiest corporations. The LDS land holdings in Central Florida alone outsize Disney World by 10 to 1. Both business and church assets are shrewdly funneled through several holding companies controlled by a corporate power base known as the General Authorities or the Brethren. Although elevated to the office of spiritual leaders, the majority of these men had been successful businessmen before they were called by revelation to join the LDS hierarchy. Church members, including those in lower levels of leadership, who have faithfully and sacrificially contributed their tithes, time and energy, are powerless to call for an accounting or participate in any corporate decisions. They must faithfully submit to every manipulation from the top. John Heinerman, director of the Anthropological Research Center in Salt Lake City, is an active and devout Mormon who is refreshingly candid about the wealth and power of his church. I have always been fascinated with the great wealth and power that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints wields nationally and internationally. With all the research that we have done, the figure is close to 11.5 to $12 billion worldwide, all of their investments and holdings. These investments and holdings primarily fall into real estate, which comprise close to half of the assets of the church. Another percentage of about 25% uh, would be in business holdings, agribusiness, their ranches. One thing that I was amazed at was that the LDS church rolls over every year between one and a half and two and a half billion dollars just in its investment portfolio on that. They're into everything from uh, uh, agricultural futures like soybeans, uh, pork bellies. Someone I talked with from the finance department some years ago said, when we make investments, we don't pray to God and we don't go by revelation. We do it just like the world does. It has been reported that the Mormon Church is the second largest financial institution west of the Mississippi River. A few men at the top of the Mormon Empire are uh, tremendously wealthy. They receive uh, uh, income from the institutions that they control. They are among the uh, larger holders of uh, corporate power in our country. Joseph Smith, self-proclaimed prophet of God and founder of the Mormon Church, used the doctrine of divine revelation to legitimize the taking of many wives and spiritualized it as an essential doctrine of his Mormon religion. In addition to his first wife, Emma, 
Smith appears to have actively enjoyed at least 27 other wives, many of whom were already married. His first plural wife was a barely pubescent teenage relative who was living in their home at the time. Polygamy became a standard requirement of Mormonism necessary for entrance into the highest level of heaven referred to by Mormons as the Celestial Kingdom. Brigham Young, successor to Joseph Smith and second prophet of the Mormon Church, vigorously proclaimed that the only men who become gods, even the sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. Mormon scripture still says that those who abide not in this doctrine shall be damned. In 1890, government pressure forced the Mormon church to reevaluate this divine commandment. The confusion and anger that resulted from this undermining of a non-revocable eternal commandment resulted in the formation of many offshoots of Mormonism. Generally known as fundamentalists, these groups openly practice polygamy today and hold to the teachings of the first two prophets. Changing doctrines is not new to Mormonism and has over the years fragmented Smith's original church into over 100 separate groups that still claim Joseph Smith as the prophet of God in the Book of Mormon as divine scripture. Well, I was born and raised in the Mormon church and I can remember um, because of my heritage going to my cousin's family reunion and we had to wear name tags with um, the wife's name so we could so we knew which family we were descended from. We were raised with the basic tenets of Mormonism, including polygamy. That is what was openly and freely practiced uh, in our community. My great-grandfather, John D. Lee, was a polygamist. He served under Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. He had 19 wives and 64 children so that he could become a god as God is now. He really believed that God and Jesus are polygamists and that every Mormon man would have to have a lot of wives. My father had a total of 11 wives. We were very sincere about all the aspects of Mormonism. Uh, we used the Book of Mormon as one of our main sources of, of knowledge. Section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants from the Mormon Scriptures say, that you must have plurality of wives. It is a requirement in section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants. It is clearly stated that uh, if we are to attain the highest degree of glory that we uh, must do the works of Abraham. Therefore we were taught that in order to attain the celestial glory uh, a man must take more than one wife. There's also the warning that any person who will not believe this and enter into polygamous temple marriages, they should be destroyed. So the pressure was on always for men to uh, marry several women. It, it's been estimated there, there's between 25 and 30,000 polygamists in the state of Utah. I was in the Mormon church for 11 years, never missed my tithing once. I had a temple recommend. And then the Lord showed me how that they had departed from the original track that Joseph and Brigham had set it out on. They passed a law that a man could only have one wife, and actually uh, it's, the, it's the order of heaven for a man to have more than one wife. Those who take their religion most seriously uh, return to polygamy because it has not uh, been uh, expunged from Mormon scripture. In fact, if a Mormon is very honest, he uh, probably needs to be polygamous.
Are you involved in fertile marriage now? Yeah. There were problems. <laughs> Jealousy being the primary problem. Uh, the man reigned supreme in polygamy. We're trying to educate the people on how to get the father back in his place in the home. And when that happens, then the, the woman will follow and uh, more wives can be added. My father constantly claimed revelation for every last thing that we did and controlled everything that we did as much as he could. And um, I came to find out what, what a perverted thing he was really involved in. He would actually take uh, several of his wives to bed at once. And he was very involved in uh, marrying other men's wives. Polygamy is a horror. The history of polygamy is a history of women who shared their men. And uh, it's a history of power and manipulation. The youngest girls uh, were reserved exclusively for the older men that would have a harder time securing more wives. So that's how they worked it. And my father, um, he, he got most of his wives by bribing other men with his daughters. I was one of the ones that refused to fall into that, and I chose my own husband and uh, married and had a very loving relationship for 15 years and uh, until I lost him through the flood atonement process. Blood atonement teaches that there are some sins that God cannot forgive by the works of Calvary. And therefore, the sinner must have his own blood spilled. This blasphemous doctrine not only diminishes the power and the purpose of Christ's blood, but glorifies the atoning power of the blood of the Mormon sinner. While steadfastly observed by Mormon fundamentalists, this anti-Christian principle originated with Joseph Smith and was furthered by later Mormon prophets. This troublesome doctrine of blood atonement blemishes the wholesome public image required by Mormonism's leaders. Today, the brethren in Salt Lake City still grapple over the predicament they find themselves in when having to both affirm and deny blood atonement. For example, the late Mormon apostle Bruce R. McConkie, in his book Mormon Doctrine, denied that the church ever practiced or taught blood atonement. Yet on the same page, stated that because the blood of Christ is not sufficient to forgive certain sins, the Mormon God requires man to have his own blood spilled. On the 27th of June, we were carrying on our life as usual, and um, happened to be the 144th anniversary of the martyrdom of Joseph Smith. My half-brothers came into our office and murdered my husband. At the same time, there were three other consecutive deaths uh, going on. My brother-in-law, Duane, and his eight-year-old daughter, Jenny, was with him, and they also killed her. Our names were on the list of, uh, to be atoned for. Uh, my father uh, believed that we were traitors to God's cause and that our blood must be shed to atone for the sin of uh, turning against light and knowledge, as he supposed. Blood atonement is if you have charity enough uh, for uh, someone to save them, uh, the shedding of their blood is the only way that they can atone for certain sins. People really thought they were doing a favor in my great-grandfather's day to shed the blood, save their soul, and it's still taking place today. 
My great-grandfather, John D. Lee, was one of the Mormon men who were called avenging angels or destroying angels. It was their duty, their obligation, to cut the throats, shed the blood of people who were apostate Mormons, who were, who were guilty of speaking against the, the authorities. Jesus shed his blood that, uh, as an infinite sacrifice, but there are some sins that the blood of Jesus cannot atone for, and there it therefore it requires the shedding of uh, that man's blood to atone. For adultery, for apostasy, for marriage to a Negro, for not receiving the gospel, for lying, for any of the other offenses, they'd have to have their own bloodshed to have forgiveness of sin. To put it simply, my father's beliefs stem directly from Mormonism. Not one, not one thing is different than what the Mormon, early Mormon doctrine is. The original doctrine that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young taught is exactly what I believe. I'm now at present baptizing people and I have five apostles now and we're out uh, teaching and, and preaching the gospel, trying to get the Mormons into the original uh, doctrine that Brigham and Joseph had it set on. And I refuse to give it up. I've been cast out of the Mormon church because of it. That's the reason why today people are still killing each other, shedding the blood so they can have forgiveness of sin. And it comes directly from Joseph Smith and from Brigham Young. There's been 27 murders since uh, 1972. My uncle, my sister, my brother Arthur, my brother committed suicide, which I, is a direct consequence of all of this. I would just like uh, you to know that uh, if anything happens to me ever or to my children, I will... Uh, Personally, uh, I believe the Mormon Church in general will be responsible because the very doctrine of blood atonement stems from Mormonism. Many Mormons are persuaded that their beliefs are in unity with biblical doctrine. But the reality is that the Bible is not their rod of truth, for their leaders deny its authority and hold their own writings and statements in higher esteem. While they claim that the Book of Mormon is the most correct of any book on earth, it has undergone numerous revisions and changes since its original edition over 160 years ago. In fact, one researcher counted over 4,000 changes. The first mark of a cult that is always and ever true is extra-biblical revelation. They pay lip service to the Bible. They say, yes, that's a fine book, but God spoke to us last night or a hundred years ago, and we have a new revelation that supersedes the Bible. Watch out for this and flee it like the plague. The Bible says if any man add one word to the book of this revelation, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book, if a man take away from the book of this revelation, God will take away from him his name out of the book of life. It is a very serious thing to tamper with scripture. Near the end of his life, Joseph Smith insisted, there is no error in the revelations which I have taught. Yet to date, Mormon leaders have altered, dismissed, and covered up thousands of historical and archaeological errors, false prophecies, and doctrinal contradictions. Subsequent Mormon leaders have affirmed that once a prophet speaks, the thinking has been done. End of controversy. God works in no other way. Yet the prophet, Ezra Taft Benson, stated emphatically that any current Mormon prophet can override the pronouncements of any previous prophet. 
Mormon scholars today call this progressive revelation. Another mark of a cult can be called presumptuous messianic leadership. When you see a leader that declares himself to be something special, more than man, that is when you must beware. The truth of Christianity holds that the individual is a priest before God. There's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And anyone who inserts, insinuates himself between you and God and says, I will be your leader, that person is in violation of the truth of Scripture. The Bible claims God and His Word to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. It has withstood the test of time and skeptics and remains historically and archaeologically accurate. Christians are therefore confident that the Bible is the inspired Word of God and cannot acknowledge the Book of Mormon as another testament of Jesus Christ. Paul continually warned the early Christians not to be deceived by anyone bringing another gospel of Jesus Christ. As a Mormon, I was taught that God the Father was a resurrected human. He'd been born a human baby, he died and was resurrected. And then in heaven, he kept having sex with his supposed spirit wives. And among the many, many spirit children were Joseph Smith and Jesus Christ. Mormonism says that God is a man. He has the same male parts, the same passions any man has. His wives are bearing his spirit children. These little spirit children by the millions are still waiting for their opportunity to come to this earth, receive a body, join the Mormon church, and then they could go back to heaven and become gods and goddess themselves. I was taught the reason that, that babies cry when they're being born is because they are raised to full-grown maturity in heaven. So when that spirit body comes into the baby's body at birth, that body has to be compressed. That big, big body has to be compressed into the little baby body, and that's what makes the baby cry. This book and other books I have also gives proof that there won't be any females in hell. They'll supposedly all be given to the few Mormon men who become gods. Mormon men are promised unlimited eternal sex. The poor Mormon woman is promised eternal pregnancy. Mormon men need to understand that there's a threat that if they're not good Mormons, married in the Mormon temple, and faithful to the end, then when they get to heaven, they will be castrated. They'll be made eunuchs. There'll be an operation take place. So Mormonism takes the beautiful word of God and makes it into a sexual story. I'm standing here in beautiful Jerusalem. This impressive structure is built on the sacred side of Mount Scopus by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as an extension to Brigham Young University. I believe that it's very important for the Jewish people to know about the deception and misrepresentation that was employed in building this Mormon edifice. Mormons used political intrigue and, and great sums of money in order to cover up their true intent to proselytize Jews and convert them to Mormonism. Most of the religious Jews of Jerusalem consider this Mormon structure an abomination and sacrilege of holy ground and are outraged by its presence. These clothes that I'm wearing are the authentic Mormon temple attire 
which Mormons believe are copied from the actual attire that the priesthood wore in the Temple of Solomon that stood on this site behind me. Mormons believe that there's been an apostasy in Judaism and that they hold the only true authority to administer in the rituals of the temple that will be performed here in Jerusalem. Mormons believe that they are the only true Jews on earth today, that they come from the tribe of Ephraim, and that they have the true blood of Israel. Mormon males are ordained to the Melchizedek priesthood and believe that when they're baptized, their blood actually changes from Gentile blood to the, the blood of Israel. Mormons believe that they will build the New Jerusalem near Independence, Missouri, and it will be the primary capital of the Kingdom of God on the earth, and in Jerusalem will be the secondary capital, which will be administered by Jews. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints came here to Jerusalem under the banner of Christianity to establish this edifice and to establish their presence here when they're no more true Christians than they are true Jews. Mormon Apostle Bruce R. McConkie taught, there is no salvation outside the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There are two kinds of salvation in Mormonism. The first is general salvation, which comes through the death of Jesus Christ and guarantees resurrection for all mankind. The second is personal salvation. Each person is judged for his degree of righteousness and works, and depending on those, will be placed in one of three kingdoms. But the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. How are we saved? On what basis do we go to heaven? When you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for your sins on Calvary's cross, and that sacrifice is the sufficient payment for your sins, you are instantly and eternally saved by the grace of God. Former Mormon prophet Lorenzo Snow summed up the Mormon doctrine of salvation by stating, as man is, God once was, and as God is, man may become. This is supported in Mormon scripture. The Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's. Yet Jesus himself clearly taught that God is spirit, that he did not have a body of flesh and blood, or flesh and bone. In spite of such clear instruction, Mormon prophet David O. McKay declared that the appearing of the Father in bodily form to Joseph Smith is the foundation of the church. Someone who says, I saw the Father, is dealing presumptuously, short-circuiting good Christian theology. It is the Son who alone reveals the Father. This is no small matter and is the plumb line of Mormon heresy. Mormons believe that God is a resurrected man and that we can become just like him. A God cannot be made. God cannot be created. The definition of the eternal God is that he is eternal, immortal, invisible. That's who the God of the universe is, and there is none other. A man is a created being, and as a created being, it will always be the case with him that in God he lives and moves and has his being. He is dependent upon the fountainhead of life, which is God himself. He cannot move by his own volition or anybody else's to the level of godhood, although that is very appealing to certain individuals. 
There's a question before the house in Christianity in our time that really is, can a man become God? That question is answered in the affirmative by many of the cults, like the Mormons, like the New Age movement. I assure you, it is totally presumptuous. I, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, am somewhat active in what is called the New Age movement. The New Age movement consisting of uh, things like uh, crystal gazing, channeling, pyramid power, and so forth and so on. People of the New Age movement are often more open to the truths of Mormonism, like the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith working with the Urim and Thummim, than conservative Christian folks who are mostly closed-minded to these things. The goal of every Mormon man is to become the duplicate of the Mormon's concept of God, to reign over planets and solar systems, and enjoy everlasting celestial sex with thousands of goddess wives. The Mormon temple plays a vital role in the achievement of such goals, yet 75% of the LDS members are not deemed worthy enough to enter and will never see the inside of a temple. However, when members do meet church temple requirements, then they are allowed to participate in the LDS occult temple ceremony, which actually bring them under further spiritual bondage. Part of this bondage is the requirement to wear sacred temple underwear 24 hours a day from that day on. Behind me is the Los Angeles Temple of the Mormon Church, and inside are many devout Mormons who are fulfilling what they consider to be godly, noble obligations to their faith and to their God. What they don't realize, though, is that the rituals and the ceremonies that they are involved in are straight out of the occult. How do I know that? Because I was a Mormon who went to the temple. I attended the temple many times, but more importantly, I was also a high priest of Satan. Before I joined the Mormon church, I had 12 years of experience in witchcraft and Satanism. And when I went to the temple, I was astounded at the high level of similarity. The handshake and the grips involved, the, the secret tokens of the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood are in fact right out of witchcraft and Satanism. The concept of, of putting on as part of your priesthood robe an apron which God rejected in the Garden of Eden himself in the temple says, this apron is a symbol of my power and priesthood. So when I went through the temple, I was ultimately very satisfied by it because I thought this was, in fact, a profound satanic initiation ceremony. All throughout the temple grounds here in Salt Lake City, you will find all sorts of occult symbols, symbols that are generally associated with witchcraft and Satanism. They are predominantly on the temple. witchcraft, and contacting the dead. Among the Mormon temple rituals is the practice of baptism for the dead. When the dead are called up 
to convert to Mormonism. During these ceremonies, many Mormons have had exhilarating and even frightening encounters with apparitions or spirit beings inside the temple. Former Mormon prophet Wilfred Woodruff admitted to being surrounded by the dead at one point while inside the temple and warned that the dead will seek out others who enter the temple. Joseph Smith was a sorcerer and practiced crystal ball gazing or fortune telling and was convicted of this practice by the New York courts. Smith's practices of magic and necromancy led him annually during a witchcraft holy day to the Hill Camorra in New York specifically to seek encounters with a spirit being called Moroni. During this time, he would attempt to conjure up the spirit from the dead. There is strong evidence that in 1824, Joseph Smith actually had to dig up the body of his dead brother Alvin and bring part of that body with him to the Hill Camorra in order to gain access to the gold plates on which were written the Book of Mormon. It was also known within his community that Joseph Smith used blood sacrifices in his magic rituals to find hidden treasure. C.R. Stafford writes, Joe Smith the prophet told my uncle William Stafford he wanted a fat black sheep. He said he wanted to cut its throat and make it walk in a circle three times around. After his death, Smith was found to be carrying a magic talisman on his person, sacred to Jupiter, designed to bring him wealth, power, and success in seducing women. While Mormons call themselves Christians, they do not regard the prohibitions of God seriously or have respect for the Christian Bible, which they claim abounds in errors and mistranslation. This conclusion leads the Mormons to place Joseph Smith above God and beyond criticism. His biblically forbidden practices are devoutly and enthusiastically emulated by Temple Mormons. While the general public may not see similarities in the religions of Mormonism and Satanism, remember that that is exactly what the Mormon brethren wish to hide. While Mormons claim to be Christian, many of their basic theologies are identical to Satanism. For years, we as Saints Alive have warned of the Luciferian roots of Mormonism and the Satanic worship within its ranks. Now at last, the LDS Church has officially acknowledged that we were right. Recently, a secret internal report surfaced from Mormon Bishop Glenn Pace, a member of the presiding bishopric of the LDS Church. It alleged that widespread satanic ritual abuse across America, Mexico, and elsewhere was being perpetrated by both members and leaders of the Mormon Church, bishops, temple workers, and even tabernacle choir members. Acts of sexual or physical torture and murder were done in a religious or occult context and subjected children to molestation by parents and other adults. At least 45 of the scores of LDS victims Pace interviewed for his report claimed they were forced to observe or participate in human sacrifice. Obviously, there are some who would like to lay the blame on infiltrators or individual preferences. But the broader issue is that Joseph Smith was deeply involved in the occult. It is therefore quite natural to surmise that Smith's followers would be involved in the same practices that he advocated. Mormon parents don't realize the spiritual danger they are putting their children in by simply attending this temple themselves. The danger to a Mormon is, is that when you go and you stand at the veil and you say, power in the priesthood be upon me and upon my posterity throughout all generations of time and all eternity, you are putting the curse of Satan's priesthood upon yourself and upon your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. We are seeing in Utah the fruit of this in social statistics. 
We are seeing that homosexuality is running rampant among people in Utah. We are seeing child abuse. We are seeing teenage suicide. Homosexuality has increased by 50%, 100%, 200%, and it has just gone upward. Also, adultery. The number one reason that the church excommunicates is for adultery. And its numbers are staggering and increasing every year. Another area of concern is the rising amount of child abuse within the LDS Church. The kind of impression Mormons want to be associated with is the epitome of all that is wholesome. Yet the happy family facade in Mormon-filled Utah is disintegrating rapidly according to recent national statistics. In a state monopolized by a religious group that advertises marital harmony, Utah's divorce rate is higher than the national average. 55,000 women are abused annually by their partners. Child abuse and neglect has increased 212% in the last decade, with over 10,000 new cases last year alone. Rape and sexual assault for adults has increased 93% during the same period. There has been a staggering 379% increase in child sexual abuse to children under 14. Much of the abuse is incestuous and sadly the perpetrators are given lenient sentences because of an oddity in Utah law which accommodates sexual abuse by a Mormon relative. In 1987, Bill Clawden, a lifelong Mormon, began investigations into allegations of immoral practices among the Mormon leaders, specifically President Gordon B. Hinckley. Gordon Hinckley was involved in heterosexual and homosexual love affairs at the home on Lakeline Drive as well as the apartment above the car lot on South Main. I was personally involved with the Apostle Gordon Hinckley sexually. We became financially involved in a house at 2213 Lakeline Drive. We bought the house for a party pad. <clears throat> And Gordon Hinckley came up there all the time, and I had to arrange women for him. I had to arrange booze for him. I had four or five bedrooms, three-story job, beautiful home. We used to go up there all the time. I took prostitutes up on the, uh, up in Indian Hills, which is an exclusive neighborhood in Salt Lake, and this went on for several years, and basically. Most of the girls they requested me to bring to them were black girls. And most of them were tall and kind of linky. Louie would bring up four or five girls at a time, bring them to the door. Mr. Hinkley, amongst other people, were there. But they'd drink and dance. Maybe the girls would dance for them, you know, in front of them. Uh, and then they'd gather up a man and go into the bedroom. Mr. Hinckley and, and all of them were sitting there, and I remember one night when I was there, he was sitting there, and he was really getting loose, you know, and he had his arm around this one girl, and, and pretty soon I seen everybody just taking off, going this way and that way to different rooms. These parties are something else, and these people that are supposed to be good LDS. And they were supposed to be important people and supposed to be uh, good church-going people and things like that. Some of them were bishops and counselors and various things that, uh, that I actually seen going there or leaving there. There was a couple of young boys at a party one night when I was there. 
and I say they were around 15 or 16, that uh, I seen them talking with Hinkley, and they went off to a bedroom together. Hinkley and the boys, the two boys. They like to have feminine-looking boys. Youngsters. I'm talking about 15, 16 years old. Just little youngsters, babies. They live a double standard. Their, their leaders are saying one thing and living another lifestyle. They excommunicate bisexuals in the main line, LDS Church. Why aren't the leaders getting away with it? He had used me sexually, myself personally, and then excommunicated me on the homosexuality. We just believe that if Gordon B. Hinckley is professing that you should be morally clean so you can sit in judgment upon others, that he should be judged by the same standards he's trying to use. When you see it with your own eyes, you know what they really do, especially high officials like Mr. Hinckley. I says, I can't believe this. Had similar allegations been made against a Christian leader or rabbi, it would have received worldwide publicity. But in this case, an extraordinary media blackout stopped the hottest story of the 80s concerning one of the top Mormons in the world. Tonight I'm being excommunicated here at the Oak Hills First Ward for telling a story of truth about one of the high-ranking members of the LDS Church, uh, namely Gordon B. Hinckley. There is nothing within the doctrinal uh, procedures of the church that allows any one member the opportunity to bring an accusation against any of the presidency of the church. My good bishop here at the Oak Hills First Ward, uh, as I got to know him, uh, he's a good man. Uh, he knows the truthfulness of the story. He has talked to one of the witnesses personally. And unfortunately, working for the church and being a bishop in this ward, he is unable to stand up for me. As any image-conscious corporation the Mormon Church responds to public relations problems smoothly and quickly. It commands an efficient and polished communications team to market Mormonism to the world. Key Mormons have been placed in powerful positions that have had the ability to control virtually all media programming. The radio station that dared to air an interview with Charles Van Dam was subsequently bought out within days and the talk host who featured the story was fired. The Mormon-controlled media conglomerate Bonneville International Corporation is one of the largest owners of radio and TV stations, bringing in more than a half a billion dollars in revenue each year. The power of the LDS church and media was confirmed during a 60 Minutes news expose on Mormonism. After labeling the story as sloppy journalism, the Mormons forced a rare apology from 60 Minutes and the dismissal of the producer of the segment. Mormons in political office have been able to pressure Hollywood not to produce films that portray Mormonism in a negative way. Recently, a $20 million miniseries based on the book The Mormon Murders was kept off the air because it would have revealed the conspiratorial power of the Mormon church in the Hoffman murder case. I'm especially concerned with the amount of influence they have over the media. You know, the people who really control our country are, are those in control of the media. The Mormon Church owns not only a number of radio and television stations, in, not only in Salt Lake City, but in uh, Idaho, in Washington State, in Los Angeles, in Dallas, in Kansas City. And, and not only do they own a number of these radio stations and cable companies, but companies that they also own, in turn, own others of these. 
when the church wants to get uh, airtime in Brazil or somewhere else, they all they need to do is to go and ask the government people. We would like to uh, present a half-hour program on the family and uh, and on increasing patriotism, and right away they'll get airtime. Two years ago, Hungarian television came over and did a nice story on the Mormons, and over 400 million people learned about the Mormons. Church didn't have to pay for it, and the ironic thing is that these big television evangelistic ministries get to pay out millions of dollars. The Mormon Church has it down to a science, and they are probably the best PR people of any religion that I know. The Mormon Empire's immense economic power not only aids Mormon control in the media, but in politics also, where they look to the day when they will have total command, world political takeover, and the reinstatement of the free practice of polygamy and blood atonement are just some of the bizarre hopes of the Mormons' end times empire known as the Kingdom of God. The fanatical goal of world supremacy is openly denied but secretly plotted by the elite inner LDS leadership, the Brethren. The church has been fortunate to have a number of its people in prominent positions around the country in political authority. Senators, congressmen, people in the CIA and the FBI, and at times the church has called upon them to go and do a favor for the church, get the church out of a jam, or use their political clout in behalf of the church. The head of church security, who recently died, was a top FBI man under J. Edgar Hoover. They have retired CIA men working. They have uh, people from the Navy counterintelligence. And so the church has amassed an incredible amount of security personnel that gives it some of the best security of any religion on the face of the earth. Someone I talked with said, we can get anything we want on anyone we want at any time we want. Apostle Bruce R. McConkie said, through this church and kingdom, a framework has been built through which the full government of God will eventually operate. They believe that they must establish a worldwide Mormon kingdom on earth in order for Christ to return and rule on earth. Recently, a massive effort has been underwritten to mount an all-out recruiting drive with the deliberate intention of marketing Mormonism as a bastion of domestic strength and middle-class respectability. In addition to the 44,000 full-time missionaries in the field, Mormon advertising saturates the pages of many best-selling publications, including TV Guide and Reader's Digest. In response, hundreds of thousands of free Mormon videos and their Holy Scripture, the Book of Mormon, are requested annually. The Mormon Church shrewdly purchased airtime following one Billy Graham TV special and promoted the Mormon 800 number, hoping to capture undiscerning audience inquiries. They are spending tens of millions of dollars annually on ad campaigns appealing specifically to the Christian market. They are joining Christian organizations and targeting Bible studies, Christian home school groups, and churches particularly focusing in on local passions with friendship programs. Christians must realize that the Mormon hope of appearing Christian is not reflected in their teachings. Mormons still believe that all Christian pastors are part of the great horror of all the earth. They still have the hope of becoming gods and goddesses. The Mormon Jesus is still the brother of Lucifer. They still teach that our holy God was once a man and has a body, that Jesus was begotten through a sexual relationship between the Father and Mary, that the Garden of Eden was in Missouri, that the Bible is missing many plain and precious parts, that the Book of Mormon is the most correct of any book on earth, that plural marriage is a holy principle, 
They still follow the teachings of a false prophet. They still usurp the holy priesthood of Christ. They still baptize for the dead. They still wear occult underwear with Masonic markings. They still believe they must offer up secret handshakes and secret names to enter into God's presence. They still teach that all the Christian creeds are an abomination in God's sight and more. God's word is still reliable and it doesn't vacillate and Mormonism is still in direct violation of the word of God. One cannot revise Mormonism enough. One has to repent of it. The ones that murdered my husband and my family, I forgive them entirely. I love them. They're my own family. And they truly, sincerely feel like they're doing what's right. And I'm praying that somehow through all of this that I get the opportunity to witness to them and show them uh, how the Lord has worked in my life and uh, because but for the grace of God I could still be involved in that too. My faith in God is something that is unshakable and uh, through all this tragedy that's one thing I have gained is an abiding love for the truth. hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646 and mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. Take an aid. Set it in a small bowl, put a cell phone on each side of the bowl, and turn them on. Within 90 minutes, you have a fried egg, much like fried brains. The radiation from cell phones is so high that reports are piling up on the increase in tumors in the soft tissue of the ear area. Wired headsets like Bluetooth zap you with three times more radiation, which goes directly through the wire into your ear. Even portable phones convey radiation. The way to protect yourself is to order a wave shield that blocks the radiation going into your ear up to 99%. WaveShield sells their radiation filters all over the world and are the best in the business. Go to theamericanvoice.com or call toll-free 866-989-9147. Don't take a chance on getting tumors or cancer. Go to theamericanvoice.com or call toll-free 866-989-9147 now. And mention you've heard this ad on the American Voice Radio Network. 
Vitamin E prevents internal blood clots, but not all vitamin E is equal. Would you like to get a vitamin E that makes blood flow more smoothly than Plavix, but with no harmful side effects? For Spectrum Natural Unesterified Vitamin E Complex has been called WD-40 for your blood. It actually lubricates the blood while it dissolves plaque. It prevents platelet aggregation and internal clotting. It neutralizes smoke, fumes, waste, and other harmful free radicals. Doctors report relief from angina, painful leg cramps, strokes, fibrocystic breast tumors, circulation problems, and much more. Get one bottle for $35 postpaid, two bottles for only $60 postpaid. Restore this vital nutrient removed from your food supply through food processing. Read more at 4spectrum.us, spelled number 4spectrum.us. Call 800-581-8906. That's 800-581-8906. Order today. You're listening to the American Voice Radio Network on free-to-air KU satellite at Galaxy 25, Transponder 5, frequency 11836 vertical. You can listen to the American Voice 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The famous speech of Patrick Henry to the Virginia House of Burgesses, given on March 23, 1775, and entitled, Give Me Liberty, or give me death. No man thinks more highly than I do of the patriotism as well as abilities of the very worthy gentlemen who have just addressed the house. But different men often see the same subject in different lights, and therefore I hope it will not be thought disrespectful to those gentlemen if, entertaining as I do, opinions of a character very opposite to theirs I shall speak forth my sentiments freely and without reserve. This is no time for ceremony. The question before the House is one of awful moment to this country. For my own part, I consider it as nothing less than a question of freedom or slavery. And in proportion to the magnitude of the subject ought to be the freedom of the debate. It is only in this way that we can hope to arrive at truth and fulfill the great responsibility which we hold to God and our country. Should I keep back my opinions at such a time, through fear of giving offense, I should consider myself as guilty of treason toward my country, and of an act of disloyalty towards the majesty of heaven, which I revere above all earthly kings. Mr. President, it is natural to man to indulge in the illusions of hope. We are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and listen to the song of that siren till she transforms us into beasts. Is this the part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty? Are we disposed to be of the number of those who, having eyes, see not, and having ears, hear not? the things which so nearly concern their temporal salvation? For my part, 
Whatever anguish of spirit it may cost, I am willing to know the whole truth, to know the worst, and to provide for it. I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that is the lamp of experience. I know of no way of judging of the future but by the past. And judging by the past, I wish to know what there has been in the conduct of the British ministry for the last ten years to justify those hopes with which gentlemen have been pleased to solace themselves and the house. Is it that insidious smile with which our petition has been lately received? Trust it not, sir. It will prove a snare to your feet. Suffer not yourselves to be betrayed with a kiss. Ask yourselves how this gracious reception of our petition comports with those warlike preparations which cover our waters and darken our land. Are fleets and armies necessary to a work of love and reconciliation? Have we shown ourselves so unwilling to be reconciled that force must be called in to win back our love? Let us not deceive ourselves, sir. These are the implements of war and subjugation, the last arguments to which kings resort. I ask gentlemen, sir, what means this martial array, if its purpose be not to force us to submission? Can gentlemen assign any other possible motive for it? Has Great Britain any enemy in this quarter of the world to call for all this accumulation of navies and armies? No, sir, she has none. They are meant for us. They can be meant for no other. They are sent over to bind and rivet upon us those chains which the British ministry have been so long forging. And what have we to oppose to them? Shall we try argument? Sir, we have been trying that for the last ten years. Have we anything new to offer upon this subject? Nothing. We have held the subject up in every light of which it is capable, but it has all been in vain. Shall we resort to entreaty and humble supplication? What terms shall we find which have not already been exhausted? Let us not, I beseech you, sir, deceive ourselves. Sir, we have done everything that could be done to avert the storm which is now coming on. We have petitioned. We have remonstrated. We have supplicated. We have prostrated ourselves before the throne and have implored its interposition to arrest the tyrannical hands of the ministry and parliament. Our petitions have been slighted. Our remonstrances have produced additional violence and insult. Our supplications have been disregarded, and we have been spurned with contempt from the foot of the throne. In vain after these things may we indulge the fond hope of peace and reconciliation. There is no longer any room for hope. If we wish to be free, if we mean to preserve inviolate those inestimable privileges for which we have so long been contending, if we mean not basely to abandon the noble struggle in which we have so long been engaged and which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our contest shall be obtained, we must fight! I repeat it, sir, we must fight! 
An appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that has left us. They tell us, sir, that we are weak, unable to cope with so formidable an adversary. But when shall we be stronger? Will it be the next week or the next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed and when a British guard shall be stationed in every house? Shall we gather strength by irresolution and inaction? Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs and hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemies shall have us bound hand and foot? Sir, we are not weak if we make a proper use of those means which the God of nature hath placed in our power. The millions of people armed in the holy cause of liberty and in such a country as that which we possess are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations and who will raise up friends to fight our battles for us. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, and the brave. Besides, sir, we have no election. If we were base enough to desire it, it is now too late to retire from the contest. There is no retreat but in submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. Their clanking may be heard on the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable. And let it come! I repeat it, sir. Let it come! It is in vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war is actually begun. The next scale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, Almighty God! I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death! Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family.
You're on, Melody. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. And I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adams, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Wednesday, July 8th, 2015. A very active day, uh, particularly on the East Coast. You have the power outages in D.C. You have New York Stock Exchange closed down. Airlines are, are were shut down for an hour. People are having commute, computer problems. And today we have Greg Hunter joining us to discuss all these topics of what is going on right after the market report today. Wendy Wilson, she will be here on the Thursday's program. That is tomorrow uh, for the first segment of the program. So make sure you tune in to listen to Wendy Wilson. James Corbett will be returning to our Thursday program in two weeks uh, after a short holiday. So a busy day today. So let's get started right away. I will say good afternoon, Al. Hello, Melody. And all the all these things are going up. China was down another what six percent uh, in their markets today, and of course the problems again with Greece. And uh, hey, we did manage three bucks out of gold. Three bucks out of gold at eleven fifty nine. Silver up six at fifteen twenty one. At least it got out of that fourteen dollar level. Uh, platinum was down seven a thousand thirty six. Palladium was up six at six hundred. And 57. USDX today was down 0.55 at 96.22. Crude oil today down 50 at 51.83. And the paper markets today, um, they it tried to come back, but uh, without success. Let me bring up those numbers here on my screen. Okay, and. Uh, it was changed again, and they, the Dow was down almost a 1.5% today, down 261 points at 17,515. The NASDAQ was down 1 and 3 quarters percent at 4,909. And the S&P was down almost 1 and 2 thirds percent at 2,046. The euro did gain a little strength today. Uh, 1.11, up 0.67. Uh, the 10-year yield, uh, the percent, uh, 2.21%. So not a lot of change in that bond yield. And that's a little surprising considering <laughs> all that's going on. You'd think you'd have seen some sort of movement throughout the day, but not a lot. Um, the world markets, I don't know what they did with these numbers. I looked earlier and they changed them. I saw, oh, they're showing them all the futures on them, and they're showing them all up, but uh, overnight they were all down big. Uh, I saw the um, Hong Kong was down, I don't know, four or 500 points. Uh, the Hang Seng was down. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Chinese was down uh, 6.27%, and... Um, um, so we have a lot of uh, activity going on in and around the world. So, it a, It's a surprising amount of activity, and it is happening in a coincidental manner. There have been a lot of interesting things happening at the same time. And you would, it's, you know, you can sit back and say, well, it's all coincidence, and maybe that's all it is. But it is odd. 
And even if it is coincidence, you can wonder to what extent this lays the foundation for something like a perfect storm. We can have a little problem here and a little problem here and a little problem there and a little problem in the other place. And if you get all of these little problems at the same time, do they add up to something that's really significant, going to be difficult to deal with? Or are these just coincidences that are happening today and tomorrow it will be all over? What do you think? I really don't think it's going to be all over, and I certainly don't. Be, and I certainly don't believe we've heard the truth about what all is going on. And this time, I, I don't. I don't believe in coincidences. So, I mean, we can look at. We can take the, you know, the 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 easiest. So, what the government is going to say that the, you know there was no coincidence. Uh, this was all coincidental and no problems and everything's back on track. However, I think there's a very big connection. Now, I'm not sure which was the very first domino. Uh, that created these situations, and uh, uh, but I certainly don't think that it's all just a simple, you know, here we are today and tomorrow is going to be fine. I believe this is a huge crack that we've seen, and yeah, I do believe. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if they can repair, if they can get hold of this and stop it. For example, Dow Jones is down 240 points today, 60 whatever. 60 points. No, 260. What happens if now if Dow Jones pops back up 300 points tomorrow? We can sit back and say, well, whatever it was was just a blip, just a little bump in the road, no big deal. What if the Dow falls another 250 points tomorrow? What does that mean? Anything? Does that signal something important, or is it just a number? Are you asking me? No, I'm asking Frank. You're asking Frank? Frank. Well, I think we'll have to see. I mean, they do have a lot of power in which they can uh, change things and and make things come back. But once you get on this trend, and uh, people people should be paying attention. Uh, People shouldn't be having their – everybody knows that these – it's not real. We all know that there are no fundamentals underneath these markets. It was all make-believe by the Federal Reserve and the money being pumped into these systems all around the world. Um, so it is something that people should pay attention to, and they should be pulling their funds out, and they should be protecting it. What's the worst thing that can happen to them? They have gold and silver. That's not a bad, uh, you know, situation to be in when everybody else is losing their funds and all they have is paper money. And um, so it'll be interesting to see if Greg has any uh, see what his insight is into what happened today in the stock market, and if there was a cyber attack, we already had the White House come out and say, "Oh, there was nothing." You know, we talked to Homeland Security and so forth, and uh, we're checking into it, but it was not a a cyber attack or anything like that. So you seem to think that. And you told me prior to the program you thought it might be. I said that what's interesting about this, and we can get Greg Hunter from USAWatchdog.com. Let's bring Greg on right now, is he and here? we'll see what he. Yeah, he's he's uh, according to Frank. Greg is here. Hello, Greg. How are you doing? Hey, how you doing? Just fine. Hi, Greg. What's going hey, on today? Are we simply seeing uh, well, you know, what, coincidences, or are we? Let me um, let me here? let's just back up and take a wide shot here. Let's back up. You know, we're we're in the the weeds here, and and let's just first of all let's um, let's back up and let's get a wide shot. Okay, uh, and here's the white shot. So the FBI says we're going to look into this, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> "That's rich." 
You're the guys that haven't jailed a single banker, and I'm going to name you the things that have been reported and settled in the mainstream press. Robo-signing, which is fraud and perjury on the court, housing market. Rigging of the LIBOR rate uh, globally with multiple huge banks fined, admitted to it. Rigging of the gold market. Rigging of the currency forex market where they just criminally admitted some of the big banks, including J.P. Morgan, admitted to crime. Uh, laundering money for drug cartels in the billions of dollars, laundering money banks, laundering money for countries, Iran, on the state sponsor of terror lists. So uh, the, the derivative market, which is a complete opaque uh, private market, which Brooklyn born in 1999, who was uh, basically dismissed for trying to put this on an exchange in 1999, which is $100 trillion dollars. A hundred trillion dollars, excuse me, a quadrillion, I'm sorry, excuse me, a quadrillion, it's a thousand trillion dollars is what the BIS admits, Bank of International Settlements Bank, Central Bank of Central Bankers, admits to. So let's get to the wide shot. So, oh, fraud's okay. Oh, what about the fraud that got Greece into the Eurozone? What about the UK Guardian story that talked about how, well, the $240 billion, less than 10%, actually went to Greece. It went to the Eurozone banks. That's why Cyprus is calling this criminals. I think he's calling them criminals. So the fraud's okay as long as it's our big bankers and not a single one has been prosecuted. And where that they bank, uh, J.P. Morgan admitted to helping Bernie Madoff in his what sixty billion dollar fraud. They paid about two point five billion dollars in fraud and in, in fines and restitution. J.P. Morgan admitted. I bet you Bernie Madoff would have loved to have paid a fine and said, "Woo, I don't have to go to jail." for the rest of my life. So let's back up to the system is fraudulent. We are living in a fraudulent world. Don't even talk about this like, oh, well, the system's not rigged. Uh, the system's a real good system, and the bad, guy, no, the bad guys are running the system. And other bad guys are crashing the system. So the, the idea that the Do we system, have any good guys... No, yeah, people that buy gold and silver, they're going to be treated like uh, criminals and hoarders and, and whatever. But no, uh, listen, uh, we have a, a criminal system. I mean, they're worried about Christian militias, and big bankers are stealing from the world by the trillions of dollars they admit to it. This isn't what I think. You can Google every. You can Google a story about every single one where they, where people have admitted, whether it's RBC overseas or whether it's Deutsche Bank with their 73 trillion in derivatives, or whether it's you know Goldman Sachs who widely reported helped cheat to get uh, Greece into the uh, uh, into the eurozone. Uh, whether it's uh, forex rigging, whether it's uh, uh, LIBOR rigging, whether it's uh, robo signing, which is fraud and perjury and 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 uh, um, a forgery and fraud on the court, it, 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 uh, whether it's a future. I mean, at the at the uh, uh, CME, which is now CME Group, which used to be Chicago Mercantile Exchange, they have volume. They admitted in their 10K. I read this myself that they give volume discounts to central banks. Let that sink in. They're giving Give people who can print money. Huh? Give us an They're example. They're giving people they their 10K. They're get no, discounts on volume trading. 
So they're giving people who can print money at will discounts on trading. Why would a central bank need to be in the CME group? The CME group is Forex, which is Comex, which is the commodities. Why would they need to be trading and getting volume discounts? There's not a legitimate market out there, and that includes this Ponzi scheme of a stock market. So any thought that this is somehow some, some legitimate market that isn't propped up by the plunge protection team and George Stephanopoulos blew, you know, bubbled that out of his mouth like in 2000 or 2001. Uh, who was a former Clinton guy? The the, the uh, you know president's working group on financial markets, which includes the Treasury and the SEC and I don't know somebody uh, in the Fed. Okay, don't think for one minute this is some sort of legitimate, well-run, well-policed market. It is not. Thank you for letting me go on that little tirade. <laughs> no, well, I think you you can see evidence of this when. To some extent, insofar as they say that the Federal Reserve is data-driven, what that means they're is they're just driven. reacting. They're they don't have about? a plan. They are just reacting. What is going on today? We react to it. They don't really well, have a plan. It's evidence remember that there's what I, something missing here. Remember what I said about uh, we've been told debt is money mm-hmm. and debt is an asset. We're going to find out neither is true. Guess what, guess what they're threatening? This is on the front page, of course. Forget about Nobody's even brought up with this stupid crash on Wall Street that are very few people. China is off off 30%. Now, it was up in the last year, 150%. But they're off 30% in three weeks. They were off 6% last night. You think that might cause just a few jitters and a few sell orders? And then we have on the front page of the USA Today money section, which is a big story that got completely covered over today. And uh, listen, I don't know if it's. Ha- I think it's awful weird that United and and Wall Street Journal yeah. and Wall Street uh, New York Stock Exchange were all you know. Uh, I don't know what that is, but that seems bizarre to me. But but listen, forget the glitches. This is an inherently fraudulent, complicated system. And Nassim Taleb, the guy that came up with the word black swan, which is really fooled by the rest of the title of his book, is fooled by randomness. That. That in, in, it, what is inherent to complicated systems, and I would say fraud complicates things because it makes it opaque. They can't say, wow, we're defrauding you. That makes it inherently fragile. This is why I tell people, and I don't care where they get it, although you guys are an excellent choice, and I don't mean to you know, blow your horn or anything, but this is why I tell people you need to have something that is out of the control of banks. And so back to the debt is money, that's a lie, and debt is an asset, another huge lie. We're going to find out both are true. Guess what they're going to do to the, the Greek euros, which have a little Y imprinted on them? They're going to void those. Are those euros you got? The ones that are Greek euros? Because every country has their own euros. You know, there's an Italian euro, there's a you know a, an Ireland euro, a, a German euro. Yeah, we're going to avoid those. Those are no good. That's, that's, like, that's, like, that's like Confederate paper. That's what's going to happen. And so the, front, the story on the front page of the business section, EU gives Greece a Sunday deadline. Well, <laughs> guess what we're getting down to? We're getting down to, uh, well, if we cut Greece's debt, then Spain and Italy and France and Portugal and everybody else is going to need a cut. They can't do that. The bonds will be no good. They leverage these bonds up to the moon and then stack on the derivatives of a quadrillion 
and you got leverage in the orders of magnitude unseen in human history. So they're going to play hardball and make Greece an example. It ain't going to work. It's not going to work. You can't get well. What do you mean it's not going to work? I mean, I know that they're going to try. I I know they're going to make an example out of Greece, or they're going to try to. Will they succeed in intimidating the other nations like Portugal, Spain, Ireland, Italy? Uh, Will they intimidate them? Say, well, you got to pay your debt, or we're going to, we're going to, you know, you'll die. Listen, this is fraud. This is what the Greeks figured out. And what's being misreported is, oh, they're a bunch of bums and they're socialists, which they're socialists and, and we're, I think, 11% pay taxes. And, and, they, and they, they do have big pensions and they retire when they're, I don't know, 53 or something like that. I don't know. I don't know exactly. But they retire early. Okay, that's all true. But of the $240 billion, according to the Guardian UK, less than 10% made it to the Greeks. If they got, uh, say, North Carolina has a population of about 10 million. The legislature here went crazy when we were $2 or $3 billion in debt in the hole a few years ago. This is a country's, what, 350, and I'm going to do it in dollars instead of euros, $350 billion in debt. If they want to dump $350 billion, on a country with 11 million people, that houses over there would be a million dollars a pop, and they'd be paying 30 bucks for a soda. They didn't. Well, it went into the banks. This is according to yeah. the Guardian UK. Yeah. That's fraudulent debt. The they bank. hung that debt on the Greeks. Now, listen, there's a lot of dirty hands, and I'm not making. Uh, I don't believe in socialism. I think you got to, you know, you ought to uh, uh, pay your bills, and you, and when you run out of other people's money, this is what happens. They never had this problem if they didn't run out of money, but they got creamed as all the other countries got creamed. This is fraud. I had just had uh, um, Carl Denninger on. He laid it out. This is fraudulent. And I brought up the article from the Guardian UK, who, without question, they they got played. You know, I mean, yes, are the Greeks dirty? Are their hands dirty? Yes, yes, they are. But not to the extent. uh, This is orders of magnitude dirty. We're going to take a break. Get blood out of a rock. Go ahead. We're going to take a break, Greg. We're here with Greg Hunter from USAWatchdog.com. When we get back, we will get deeper into the coincidental problems that are showing up today in the markets and the airports in Washington, D.C. We'll talk a little more about all of this in a moment. Please stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment on Financial Survival. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 
or order online at the three W's dot thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Adisk here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. Our guest is Greg Hunter from usawatchdog.com. Greg has some of the finest interviews on the Internet. All right, You can visit his website, usawatchdog.com, and he routinely interviews some of the best guests you can find on the Internet at this time. Um, let's start here. We've got the Wall Street... Uh, uh, Washington, D.C. has had a power outage. We've had United Airlines, the planes were out of the air for, well, they were at least having a problem. They weren't necessarily out of the air. They had a problem for at least an hour. Stock market is still closed down for most of the day. Yahoo's had a problem. Are we looking at just coincidences here, or is there a central cause for the mo- for these several different computer problems? Alfred, I don't know, and neither do they. Yeah. And if yeah, they do know, they're not going to tell us. Mm-hmm. And but here is the, the here is the underlying bigger problem, and that, that's why I wanted to start with that huge problem. Anybody that that is in this market, anybody that thinks that we have markets and not interventions, we have we have phony accounting at FASB, the Financial Accounting Standards Board, FASB in, in 2009. We do not have market to market accounting. In other words, what's it is it worth today? If you have a house and you, the IRS says you owe us a hundred grand, you can't say, "Hey, here's a house. It's really only worth fifty grand, but I want you to value this house as as if it will be sold in the year 2045 when there's a, you know a when the property goes up and Disney World is down the street or whatever." Can't do that. 
What is it worth today? That's mar- they suspended all of that. Now, that helped the banks the most, but we still have phony accounting. We have a law passed in Congress that if you are systemically, this is a real law. If you are systemically important to the system in America, you can suspend all accounting. You don't have to have accounting. That's a real law. That's pretty amazing. We have the plunge protection team, and you don't know whether they were in there stopping this thing from turning into a thousand-point route. And this idea yeah. of, oh, there's a fat finger, or there's a glitch, or there, yeah, come on, stop. Stop the first grade. Ridiculous. Here's what they're saying for hours. I was listening to this on my satellite radio. If I heard, I'm not worried, not worried, no worries, don't worry. I'm not worried, don't worry. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, no, no worries. No worries. Everything's fine. No worries. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, well, you know what? That makes me worry. Mm. I understand. And listen to this Greek thing. Now, yeah, forget about the stock market because it's inherently fraudulent. It's inherently complicated with derivatives and fraud and who and opaque. That means it's inherently uh, inherently weak and fragile. So anybody that – you've got to get the big picture, and the big picture is the system is fraudulent. You have the, the old attorney general. You have the new attorney general. They have not made a single case on a big banker. They knew – there was widely reported that, for example, let's just talk about Bernie Madoff. That's a simple case. It, it pales in comparison to rigging LIBOR and rigging the Forex market. But let's just talk about Bernie Madoff. They paid $2.5 billion to avoid criminal prosecution. Why? Why do we let them do this? So someone else, and the answer is, so someone else will get caught for criminal prosecution, and they'll pay another $2.5 billion to the government. It becomes a money-making scheme for government. They just, you know, go ahead, break all the laws you want, and when we catch you, you're going to pay an enormous fine. We have lawlessness in the system. We I have understand. fragility in fraud. We have fragility in lawlessness. We have fragility in Fake net. Whether this, listen, anybody watching this, if they want to stay in the market for the long term, they're going to be creamed. They better be in a brokerage that doesn't MS Global on them. And anybody, you look up MS Global, they were a primary dealer of treasuries. At the time, there were 22 brokerages, which is a license to print money because they make a commission on every bond they sell. They, they were a primary dealer, and they couldn't, they went under. They went under. I remember that when Bear Stearns, I had Carl Denninger on. He says, you know, we always, you know, the math, we never hit the wall. We never hit the wall on math. Everybody front runs that. So, you know, something maybe two or three or so, he say, he thinks they can do this thing for seven years. I'm not sure. But he says, we will get there. We'll hit the wall on that. Same thing with the housing market. Same thing with Bear Stearns. You know, Bear Stearns, everyone, oh, that was it. That's what Carl Denninger said. I, I remember that. I thought, wow, that's a big deal. And, uh, you know, they put it off for six months. I don't know if they'll put this off for six months, but listen, because it's been going on for a while. This thing with the stock market being propped up and, and all the other, you know, things that could happen with China. China's been crashing for three weeks. They're down 30%. Greece has been a problem. They're not, they had to borrow, listen, months, year, years ago, they had to borrow money to pay their debt. And they were just insolvent. Wait, this is pretend. This no, is they've pretend. been broke for five years. 
I doubt if they've made a payment. I doubt if Greece has made a real payment in five years. They make payments by borrowing money from someone else to pay existing debt, but they haven't been making significant payments. They were paying fraudulent debt. Let's let's call it what it is. There is no way that Greece got $240 billion dropped on them. There is no way that did not happen. That country did not, 11 million people did not get $240 billion to spend as they want. They've been buying shipping lines. They've been buying oil fields. They've been, they'd be rich. They did not get that money. Let's make that perfectly clear. Are they a socialist country? Yes. Do a lot of them not pay taxes? Yes. Uh, do a lot of them uh, retire early? Yes. Are a lot of them on pensions? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, they have sin. Yes. But the money on there, don't even think for one minute, it's being misreported. And the reason why it's been misreported because, oh, you mean it's really banker fraud? Yep, sure is. Yep, there's a component in there of banker fraud, and it's the same component in the debt of Italy, in and uh, Spain, and Ireland, and this, and uh, Portugal, and even French France banks have problems. You know, we forgot the, the, the co-chairman of Deutsche Bank stepped down. They, they had a contract till 2017. Oh yeah, we want to quit. Some people said they were fired. They got $72 trillion in derivatives. They can't make this cut. They're not going to cut. They're going to use Greece. They're making a chance here. Here's, and here's a damned if you do, damned if they don't do don't the scenario. If they cut the Greece for debt, immediately every single country wants a commensurate cut. You know, if you cut their yep. debt by 20%, yeah. you got to do the same thing with Spain or 50 or whatever. Whatever it is they're wanting to be. But if they don't the cut the debt, if they don't cut the debt, they're, they're caught between the rock and the hard place. There, if they do the, cut the, the, debt, other the other countries, countries can't want pay. the same deal. If they don't cut the debt, Greece is going to go belly up. They can't pay it. What are they going to do? They can't. Well, that's the problem. So yeah. either they, if they cut the debt, then they immediately have to cut the debt, and then the bonds, you know, have to be cut. Then, oh my God, then, oh sovereign debt. Oh, oops. You remember mortgage-backed securities? Everybody thought they were a great idea because you know the houses, the real estate backed it up. Well, not when you have no money down loans. There's no equity there. You know, there's no. You know, you think that you 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 pay off your house in 30 years or 15 years. You do not. As soon as you sign the dotted line, the promissory note. Oh, just like a Federal Reserve note. As soon as you sign that note, you pay for that house. Now, if you stop paying, they can take it away from you. But you bought that house. That's how they could they could securitize the debt. Okay. I and but the, the, but the problem is, is that there was no equity in those things. And if there was equity, people could take out a home equity line. And Carl Denninger said, hey, listen, this, this thing could have gone on for a few more years, the whole housing thing. But, you know, so people realized, Wall Street realized that they were never going to pay that off, and they front-run that trade. So the psychology, so it's confidence in psychology. Greg Manorino started talking about, you know, the whole thing is run on confidence. Confidence, uh, uh, you know, um, Michael Pento talked about how, you know, there's a bubble in central bank confidence that they can always fix something. And if you look at this theme from the most recent guests, you know, the confidence in central banks can fix it. Well, we're going to find out that's not going to work out. And also the confidence in the markets. Well, you saw what happened today. That's not going to help confidence in the markets. And the psychology, people will start front-running. People will, will leave before the math hits the wall. And this is a process. But, you know, this is – other people are like, oh, gold's going down and silver. I mean, it went up a little bit today. But, you know, they, they think they're going to get some deal. And Melanie and I talked about that. Well, commissions just went up. The price went down, 
but no uh, coin dealer worth their salt is going to sell you a coin at you know three dollars or two seventy five. You know what their what their wholesale cost is. It ain't going to happen. And if anybody is selling you uh, you know a coin for for a nickel over a wholesale spot, to, you know what that that's the spot plus their what two seventy five. Is that right, uh, Melody? Right. So if anybody's going to sell you at some ridiculous, I would be worried about being an unsecured creditor to somebody because they're not getting a real commission. And that, and the problem is that you know a few years ago I was trading oil stocks, and this is a weird thing that happened. I sold out everything. I had Anadarko. I had you know I had all kinds of stuff. That's how I started my business. I had all kinds of oil stocks, and I rode it from like forty all the way up to one twenty-seven. But something weird happened. It, it went up. The oil per barrel stopped, topped out at one twenty one forty-seven. But at one twenty-seven, the stocks stopped going up. So you say, wow, there's 20 bucks there that, you know, it didn't keep. And on the way down, it went back down to $35 at a barrel. But, you know, at $40, $45, the stocks, the oil stocks stopped going down. And, you know, at some point, the price of gold and silver is going to stop going down. But you're not going to get a a good old boy low commission deal at that point because the, the supplies are going to be gone. They're going to start charging big commission prices. Uh, back in uh, 2009, when silver went down to, what, 9 or $10 an ounce, the commission was 5 or 6 bucks a coin. You still had to pay 50 or 60% commission on the coin. So you didn't get a deal. And then you had a hard time buying monster boxes. I bet you the I bet you right now trying to buy a monster box is is probably going to be pretty tough. Well, they well, suspended sales at this at the mint. Wow, one day before this happened. Is that a coincidence? I don't know. Well, they're available, but they're about three weeks out for delivery. Uh, wholesale premiums have gone up, so put pressure on some of the other silver products. Canadian Maple Leafs, their premiums, wholesale premiums jumped uh, forty cents. You know, round premiums have jumped. They're available uh, sooner than the three weeks out of the Silver Eagles. And, you know, Greg, I tried to explain to folks today because I, I, I told them, you know, the same thing that we discussed about, hey, you know, you wait for the special deals. There's very little product out there. And the next oh, thing, yeah. the premiums are there, and you end up paying the same thing. Or you, you, know, end up, and you know what they say? Or you might not even be able to get it. No, do you know what they I say? Mean, so they say, what? well, I'll wait until it's lower. It's like, okay. Well, but, but the commission, no, but no coin deal is going to sell there. Uh, and I'm not, you, I'm not you, but you, you, this is what you told me. Then nobody's going to, going to, going to get. Remember a few months ago that you said, "What's your commission on coins?" I, I asked you, and you said, "I don't know, two fifty a coin." I was like, "Wow, what a deal! You're kidding me, two fifty over spot. Holy cow, that's a fantastic deal." And it isn't that now. The price has gone down, but guess what? The commissions are higher. And now you're going to run the risk of that you're not going to – because it's going to come down to people are treating this like a trade. It's not a trade. People stop with the thinking this is a trade. Stop. This is a wealth preservation. This is a survival play. You're going to end up, and the music's going to stop, and there will be no chairs for you, and they're not going to make any new ones. So you and, have to ask uh, the like Europe, they're going to recall it. And that's what I mean about currency. People are like, oh, well, maybe I can put my dollars. Those are notes. Those are Federal Reserve notes. I mean, if you want to hold currency, hold half dollars. Those aren't notes. Hold some mm-hmm. cockawea dollars. Susan B. Anthony dollars. Those aren't notes if you want to just hold dollars. But those notes can be defaulted on. Those notes can be recalled. Look at the uh, Greek euros. They're threatening to cancel those out. 
even if you're holding them, I mean, it's the equivalent of having Yeah, they're going to say they're no good. They're going to say, boop, you, no soup for you. No Greek gyros for you. You're done. I'm telling you, this is going to get ugly. And, they're, and they have it on the front page of USA Today. EU gives Greece Sunday deadline. Well, there you go. They're, this is a risk for them. because, But it's less of a risk than giving everybody a debt cut because then immediately the bonds are no good. Then immediately everybody sell, 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 sell. Then immediately bond the interest rate spike and the party over. It's going to be that anyway anyway, but... They're taking now. We'll see if we can make an example out of it and hold this thing off. And then they might mysteriously make a payment to the IMF or to the EU, or somebody may blink and make a payment and you know stretch it out. Oh, in good faith, we'll make this payment just to stretch. But listen, is it? They can't pay. They're insolvent. Mm-hmm. Italy insolvent. Spain insolvent. Ireland insolvent. Portugal insolvent. They can't do this long term. They can't do it. What about the United States? I was say the U.S. What about the United States? We are still printing money. We can still print money, but then there's going to be come a time when people are going to say, that's no good. We can't do that. Sorry. You know, what's going to happen when everybody gets really freaked out and starts liquidating their bonds, as Jen, as, uh, um, uh, as uh, John, Williams. John Williams says, there's what more than, what, $16 trillion held outside the U.S. Yep. What's the Fed going to do? They're going to be stuck with either you liquidate these bonds, okay, that we've got to print some money, or, and that's where the money printing. See, the, the problem, the reason why we haven't had the inflation is because we printed bonds. Forget the money. We printed Bonds. We locked it up in bonds. When that liquidates, when that starts to try to liquidate, the Fed is going to have to either A, print money, or B, default in the bonds. Woo, boy. What a carnival of inflation and deflation. I think we're going to get both at the same time. I've said this for years. We're going to get both at the same time. But please remember. And deflation at the same time. Yes, because they're going to let some people default, and they're going to bail out their buddies at the same time, and it's so big. I mean, when you talk about the derivative exposure that the bank – let's just use the official number. Some people say it's twice, two and a half times the, you know, the quadrillion that's out there. This is the official BIS number. It's a big number. It's a thousand trillion. And, that's, and then take a look at the leverage on top of these, these quote-unquote bonds assets, and they leverage them up, what, 15, we'd be lucky to be 15, 30, 40, 50 times they've leveraged these things up, depending on, and then they get lopped on top of that, you know, you know this fake demand for, you know, interest for, for their bonds, and this fake demand with derivatives, and oh, my God. Gosh, it's going to be a carnival of inflation and deflation, default and money printing. You take your pick. There's not going to be one or the other. This, you know, how in the world is this going to play out? I do not know. Uh, Jim Rogers on USA Watchdog told me this has never happened in human history. This is a guy worth $300 million at least who's traded a lot of commodities. Well, let's talk more about derivatives when we return. We'll take a break for our last uh, set of commercials. I'm Alfred Adisk here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival, and our guest is Greg Hunter from usawatchdog.com. Please stay tuned. will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? 
Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663 or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663 or thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival with our guest Greg Hunter from usawatchdog.com. I have a crowd question for, for Greg. Yeah, if I heard correctly, you say there's a quadrillion dollars worth of derivatives floating around, maybe more than that. It, what makes me wonder is this. We've got a in, problem with income inequality. The super rich, the top 1%, own a disproportionate amount of wealth in this country. But how much of the wealth that's held by the top one-tenth of a percent, how much of that wealth is intangible, real estate, railroads, I don't know, oil fields, something real, and how much of their super wealth is tied up in these fictional debt instruments, perhaps like derivatives or stocks or bonds? And what's going to happen to the super rich when this whole thing goes south? There's income inequality an illusion based on the fiction of these pieces of paper, or are they really wealthy in terms of land and buildings and tangible assets? Uh, number one, I don't believe in income inequality. I, I don't okay. believe in it. I think it's a lie. Okay? What is, we have inequality on is legal inequality. We have criminal inequality. You rob a uh, 7-Eleven store of, uh, you know, $51, and you are a felon that will get seven years in jail. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, you know, a big bank and you uh, rig the LIBOR market in the terms of trillions of dollars, you get to pay a f shareholders. Excuse me, shareholders get to pay a fine. So we have, we do not have income inequality. The real inequality is the legal inequality. It, listen, if you believe in capitalism, then you should believe in bankruptcy. Have you heard of a big bank going bankrupt since Lehman Brothers? 
Yeah, that's right. No, uh, they're they have. too big. They're they're too big to fail. They can't. That means they're too big to exist, and that is yep. legal inequality. And when people fail, when banks fail, when you go to bankruptcy, you lose your assets because you're incompetent or criminal or both. And then your assets go to somebody else who is not incompetent and not criminal or both. And what we have is a very unlevel playing field. I mean, Warren Buffett would have been creamed, creamed if uh, we would have let capitalism play out. Do you realize uh, many of the companies in Berkshire Hathaway, even Charlie Munger came out to get over it, you know, his number two weasel there. Uh, you know, I mean, GE company. Uh, these are all companies that Buffett invested in that got bailouts. General Electric, Goldman Sachs, um, American Express, uh, Wells Fargo. Uh, and the, there's many companies that would have been creamed. Uh, you know, listen, General Electric stock should have gone to onto a dollar a share, and Warren Buffett should have lost his ass. But nope, he played the bailout game. Oh, he's brilliant. No, he's not. He's connected. That's the problem with this. And then he's talking about, oh, well, my secretary pays more taxes than I do. That's a big stop. Well, I got a better idea. And, you know, instead of, you know, you raising an extra $40, $50 billion in a stupid tax scheme, hey, how about we stop the multi-trillion dollar bailout for you and your buddies? Oh, that'd be more. That'd be better, wouldn't it? Yeah. What does Warren Buffett own? Hey, Warren Buffett made a commodity play. What? He made a commodity play. Yep, he bought a railroad. He bought all the railroad. He bought the whole damn thing. And what is the railroad? Uh, tra uh, you know, what is the railroad used for? Oh, yeah, it's made for use for instead of building a pipeline. Uh, you know, used for transporting oil, grain, coal, bauxite. Uh, you know, you name it. It transports things, all kinds of stuff. Railroad. That's commodity play. He owns the lines, he owns the tracks, he owns the cars, he owns the cash flow of moving goods and services around by rail. He owns it all. I'm sure he has stocks. I'm sure he plays the paper market. But hey, listen, what did George Soros say? Uh, he said, said this, uh, you know, a few years ago, and I think he reiterated it that gold will be the biggest bubble. Of course, because we're going to go back to the bonds. Let's go back to the bonds because the, the bond market is the granddaddy of all market. It dwarfs all markets combined. The bond market, the debt market. Okay, we've been told that debt is money and debt is an asset and we're going to find out neither is true the bonds when the bonds have to have these big write downs as they surely will because they cannot pay what they want to guarantee from greece and everybody else is an income stream to say look the income stream's good the bonds are good yes but but the bonds are the assets that they are loaning against the bonds are the assets are the basis of the derivatives that they're trying to hold interest rates down, which most of which are interest rates, that the bonds go, the, the whole system is kapooey, kapowie, boom. There is the collateral's no good. This is what happened when the debt crisis. You know, the collateral's no good. So the collateral, if the collateral's no good, then what happens? Well, let's see. There'll be a mad dash for collateral. Gold, silver, diamonds, art, anything real. Functioning businesses, a railroad. Collateral. The bonds are no good. The collateral is no good. What did Germany do? In, in, uh, you know, people talk about the hyperinflation of the mark, right? But people don't realize what did they do to fix that? You know what they came out with after the mark? The renting mark. Oh, it was based on rents. Oh, you mean the banks 
took control of the assets, and then they rented it back out. Oh, the rented mark. Are you getting the picture here? No, I'm not. If They're going to look for collateral. The bonds are not collateral. They're going to look for real collateral. They're oh, going to look for gold. Yeah, I get that. All right, so what they're and doing that's, is that's they're what saying they we're going to buy these properties, and the rent is real. And they're going to foreclose on the properties. They're going to be in a man. They're going to buy them. They're going to, oh, you quit paying your thing. Yeah, we'll take that property. You understand uh, that? So if the collateral, the bonds, are no good, then there's going to be a mad dash for collateral. People are looking at, oh, what's the dollar price of gold? Forget about that. It's collateral. What is the collateral? Where, Who has uh, dominion over your collateral? Oh, the stocks? Can, is your brokerage open? Oh, then no, no, you have that collateral. Oh, you mean your brokerage? Oh, they need a bailout. CIPIC has, what, $2 billion? CIPIC, the Securities Investment Protection Corporation? They don't have – that's fake insurance. On a, in a calamity, it's fake insurance. If your brokerage – if your broker runs off with your money with the secretary, yes, you may get some money back. But it is not insurance, just like the FDIC. But if he runs really off with your insurance. money with a congressman, you won't get the money back. Is that true? Well, I don't know about that, but – well, I'm just what joking, I'm but what I'm getting to is insofar as the Congress essentially conspires with these people to allow them to rob you, if he runs off with the secretary, uh, you might get some money back. If he essentially runs off with the Congress, uh, probably not. Well, and who knows what's in the secret trade the fraud. deal? Well, and who knows what's in the secret trade deal? I, I suspect a lot more than trade. So, but it's a secret, so I don't know. And if anybody talk, talks about it, they could be thrown in jail. Which I think is a huge um, uh, a problem, which is another you know opaqueness of the market, and that's that you got to hold on to what's real. People ought to get the title to their cars, they ought to get the title to their homes, they ought to get new tires, new batteries, they ought to get food, they ought to get everything they think they're going to need. Everything you don't have, you know, and if you have some money left over, sure, yes, you need some gold and silver, yes, you need that. But I don't. I tell people, some people say, "Well, I got ten thousand dollars. Should I buy gold and silver?" No, go buy. It. Do you have your car paid for it? No. Do you have any tires in your car? Well, no, not really. Do you have a new battery? No, oh, well, no. Do you have food? Well, I don't really have any food. Well, then, no, don't do that. Uh, you know, for some people, they should. You know, people. I have a producer friend of mine. She works for CBS News. She's a smart lady, and she has quit talking to me. The last time we talked, I she said, you know, I'm just I'm just working for it because she doesn't want to hear. You know, it's kind of like having a down, you know, stock market. and People don't want to open their statement. Okay, as if that's going to make it go away. And she is a smart person. She is a top producer for one of the networks. And I said, stop for a minute. You just wait for retirement. Yes. I said, do you think with this crushing debt and that the America is going to be broke, you get to happily live happily ever after with your retirement and the company and the country that you live in is completely dead broke. You think you get your retirement? You you must be dreaming. People are like, oh, my retirement, oh, my retirement. Are you a resident in America? This is why I say when you had this $18 trillion account, well, they froze in it. But let's 18 to 20, I don't know what, what it is now, $18.5 trillion, this is the cash deficit. Now what we're on the hook for, according to Lawrence Kotlikoff, professor of Boston University, we're on the hook for, what, $200-plus trillion. We're accruing it at 5 to $6 trillion a year. And I mean, do you, do you think you? Uh, I asked somebody, do you think you're part of this 18 trillion? And they looked at me and said, no. I said, yeah, you do. People think they get their retirement. Oh, I get yeah, my I retirement. Oh, I'm going to get my Oh, really? You think? So we're going to. So in order for your scenario to work, 
Now, we got to let the USS Ronald Reagan float up and down in the, like a cork in the Arabian Sea, out of uh, ammunition, uh, out of fuel. Is that, that what you think we're going to do? Are, are you getting this? Well, I saw a report in the newspaper today that Obama is planning to cut the size of the military by 40,000 men and women. It was the Army. Yeah. More evidence that they're just broke. The government's they're broke. Right now, they're, they're stressed to where they can't easily come up with the money to sustain the programs they already have. You can ask what does that mean to government pensions, Social Security, welfare, food stamps. This is the problem with illegal immigration. Somebody's making a decision with these sanctuary cities, which are sanctuary voting blocks. Right. And they're making a decision to have all these people. Who in the hell is paying for this? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be a racist or, or, or a xenophobic person, but hey, whoa, wait a minute. I mean, I'm not going to do what Trump did to call them all rapists. That's not true. Uh, but listen, there's a big criminal element that's, that's coming across the border. And, and, and listen, every single person that comes across the border illegally is asking for a handout. Who is paying for that? It's going to crash the system. And that's what we, we have this perfect storm of crashing the system and all these markets. I mean, this is this thing today, you know, will it come back 300 points tomorrow? I don't know. But let me tell you something. The warning shot is, wow, is the system shaky? Is this ever shaky? This does not look like we're on our way to higher highs and, uh, you know, new, uh, you know, uh, frontiers and, you know, uh, and everything else. This is not that. We're getting to the end of this debt-based system. This is what Greg Manorino says, and he's, he's nailed this. And, and we're going to get to the end of this system where we can't print any more money, we can't borrow any more money, and then what money we, we say is an asset, these bonds, and let's come back to the central key point. The bond market is huge. Forget the stock market. The bond market is massive. That's why they can't have a cut. For Greece, everybody else will want to cut, and the bonds will go sour, and this is hundreds of trillions of dollars. And when that is correct, and, and listen, if, if it was just Greece and everybody else was fat and happy and the bonds were good and they were paying and everybody had a good income stream and, you know, we were coming up with new innovation and stuff like we did in the 90s, not a problem. We don't have that now. That's not what we have. And it's the collateral. The bonds are the collateral. The central mm -hmm. question is when the collateral is no good. What happens to everything else? And you better be holding on to something other than a, a claim ticket at the, you know Johnny's Laundry, because you will get you will get fleeced. That's what's coming, and you can see it happening. <clears throat> and the and the defense against that is to hold something tangible rather than hold a paper promise to pay. The promise that includes promises. You can't keep all of the promises to pay. The paper. Debt instruments are going to turn out to be substantially worthless if you want to avoid losing your assets. Hang on to something tangible. And people say, uh, you know, what should I buy? Everything? Dog shampoo, tires, batteries, food, rice, water, uh, oil, oil filters, uh, oh, gold, silver, uh, everything. What, what will you need in the future? I don't know. Laundry detergent, uh, coffee. Uh, you need to buy everything. 
And I know a lot of people won't because, you know, prepping is work. And I don't know if this will turn into Mad Max. I have no idea. Or, or you'll have some time where uh, that, uh, you know, you may not be able to get food on the shelves. I mean, when you walk into a grocery store, you know, what you see is that's their inventory. How long yep. do you think that lasts in a panic? Three, oh, panic? Well, three days supply, but if they get a real panic, it can disappear in a matter of hours. Yep. If the credit cards work. Yeah, if and the credit cards you, work, credit and if cards... they don't, they can still disappear if people want to come in and take the law into their own hands. People are going to go come in with a checkout counter. Back. You just have to bust a hole in the window and walk out with whatever you got. Uh, Greg, we're out of bing, time. Bing, I want to thank you for being on the program. This is Greg Hunter from USAWatchdog.com. I'm Alfred Adask here with Melody Cedarstrom. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, with the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Greg Hunter, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. All night I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a friend. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a Farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Without clean water and air, you cannot maximize your health. MMS, or Miracle Mineral Solution Drops, can purify your water, and when mixed with citric acid, the chemical properties change and becomes a powerful water disinfectant. H2O Air Water Americas also has alkaline water ionizers, water filtration units, UV light purifiers, and whole room air purifiers, and provides free shipping within the continental U.S. on most items. In an effort to protect your right to get well, H2O Air Water Americas is a private healthcare membership association. You can find out more at their website at H2O airwateramericas.com that's h2o airwateramericas.com order doc mike's book 
How to practice medicine without a license. Be your own doctor for only $14.95 plus $2 postage and handling. Call Doc Mike Direct at 708-488-8887 or go to wakeupwell.org. That's wakeupwell.org to order Doc Mike's book, How to Practice Medicine Without a License. Be your own doctor for only $14.95 plus $2 postage and handling or call 708-488-8887. That's 708-488-8887. Order now.
They're gone. All 327,800 of them. It's genocide, folks. And I'm going to be working with uh, some magazines, putting some ads in them. I'm running for governor here in the state of Illinois. We're working on a poster right now to get Lisa Madigan's fat ass out of there and that nepotism. Can you imagine her father running as Speaker of the House and her as governor? Wow. That's like having Hitler and Mussolini in charge of the AMA. Nice um, uh, tag team there, huh? So let's ring the funeral bell for your family, your friends, your neighbors, your work associates. 327,000. And here's the bell. They woke up this morning. And neither did the 149 suicidal maniacs, these doctors that are responsible for this, 149 of them haven't woke up since the first of the year. No. They get a handgun, blow their brains out, overdose on drugs, get their catamolac going 120 miles an hour and hit something real solid. Hopefully it's not southbound traffic. Have you talked to your doctor about his suicidal tendencies? I mean, can you imagine going through 11 years of medical school and not being able to cure anything? No. And if medical students start asking their uh, instructors about cures, they wind up in the psychiatric ward and bounced out of medical school because there are no cures for anything. That stops the money train. That's why Dr. Mike went to jail, because I was curing cancer, leukemia, multiple myeloma, diabetes, hypertension. Cholesterol issues. Yeah. You try to stop that money train, you got hell to pay. And you can call me anytime and talk about it, too. You got a newspaper in your area? You got a radio station you want me to talk up uh, my uh, story on? Call me. 708-488-8887. 708-488-8887. So here's the funeral bell for those 149 doctors. They're gone. As my good buddy, Dr. Wallach, would say, good riddance. Dead doctors don't lie anymore. I want all 42 million of you out there that are listening, or 42 million plus, I should say, to say a prayer for Selena near the Knoxville area. She's fighting diabetes, and they want to put her on dialysis. And hopefully this afternoon we can stop the port that they're supposed to put in for her. And she's been drugged with insulin products for 17 years as a little child. She started out, she's 21 now. 
and um, they've ruined her liver and kidneys, so now they're going to put her on dialysis. And she'll be on this junk for the rest of her life. And we're helping Wayne in uh, Florida get off of dialysis. They told him the other day that his liver was perfect. I've been helping him for a few weeks. His liver is now perfect. Well, where do you think all your glucose and uh, glycogen and all your sugar production is done? I'll help you, folks. In the liver, it's the largest organ in your body besides your skin. His liver profiles are perfect. Now we got to work on his water accumulation. That his past lifestyles have damaged, and this guy is going to be an Olympic athlete someday, hopefully. So we can say a prayer for him too, for Wayne and Selena, and anyone that's interested in their health. I'm working with some new patients here in Chicago that are concerned about their health. This is so satisfying, so gratifying for me as someone that went through this crap. 23 years of fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. 36 years of drugging from the psychiatric trade. And the movie's coming out next month, if it's on time, about the documentary on me and what happened to me in the Navy. And we're filming What Makes Mikey Run. We'll have that available for the Sundance Film Festival and then available over the air so you can see what, what Doc Mike is doing out here and why I was nominated International Health Professional of the Year for 2006 for my work with preemie babies. You want to talk to Doc live today, Wednesday the 29th of May, 2013, 800-596-8191. Any medical question that you have. Is it for a friend? They don't understand their drugs. They don't understand what's going on out there. I can help you with that. Your 870 ain't firing right. Give me a call on that, too. Now, tell 100,000 of your closest friends about the phone bridge. It has some commercials on it, and if it starts cycling into the music commercial, hang up and call back in because it'll loop and you can't get out of it. The other ones will come right back into the show. But if the reception is poor, on the rebound, just hang up, call back in. Okay. And the number is 704-772-7627. 704-772-7627. And the PIN is 10111. You're driving around in your pick-em-up truck with the 30-06 in the back window, Give us a call. Put it on speaker. Try to keep the cell phone as far away from your face as possible. 
I'd like you all to say a little prayer for Judy, too, who's recovering from some stress issues. All 42 million of you. She's going to be very, very healthy in a short period of time. You can also bring your questions in on the chat room or Yahoo Instant Messaging. A-V-R-N Talk is the key. Got the Cubs and Sox playing this afternoon here in Chicago. They got rained out yesterday. Cubs were winning early. You know, anybody can have a bad century with the uh, curse of the billy goat and so on. Okay. And I want to reiterate the offer to all retirees in the city of Chicago. Call me. If you got a friend that's retired here in Chicago, ask me if they've heard about Doc Mike. Because our illustrious badass mayor has decided to cut back on their um, insurance that they've earned in gangs in Chicago. Have them call me at 708-488-887. If I push the people into Obamacare and save $108 million a year so he can put it in his cold egg at Millennium Park and a... Um, Stadium for DePaul losing basketball team. They just found out that that was a scam, too. Now they got to represent it to the mayor and have him cancel this wonderful offer to put a basketball, a um, couple of basketball nets at uh, McCormick Place. This guy is such a phony. You know, these politicians have all sold their souls. We had this big $100 million toilet contract at O'Hare. The mayor got a piece of that, I'm sure. And um, find out the toilets don't work. A little embarrassing. But, you know, they're cannon fodder for any comment, these politicians. We pay their salaries. They're in the budget for the city of Chicago. Or your town, if they're a bum, throw them out. Talk with your wallet. And we we want to do this too for this four dollar gasoline around the country. Talk with your wallet. Take a day off. Don't drive for a whole day. See what it's like to look out the window and see your vehicle sitting there not using $4 gasoline. My thing is that we ought to be getting free gasoline for 200 years for what um, BP did to our Gulf and how they got this variance here in Chicago to dump, or Indiana, the refinery in Indiana, to dump more mercury into Lake Michigan. And how about Monsanto? They're bulletproof from the government. They can do anything they want now, from what I understand. 
He had his big protest against the um, um, GMOs. Any question you have, folks, I'm waiting for your call, 800-596-8191. we got another 45 minutes on the show. Give us a call. You come in on the chat room or Yahoo Instant Messaging, E-V-R-N Puck is the key. We got the Blackhawks finishing up um, the Detroit Red Wings tonight. I'm planning on going to a sports bar a few miles from here. Watch them spank these Red Wings. Welcome to Chicago. We got the Chicago way over here. We had the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Bears, Chicago White Sox. Chicago Blackhawks. Did I miss anybody? Oh, yeah. The Billy Goats. The Chicago Cubs. Last World Series they were in was the year I was born, 1945. They got beat that year because they wouldn't let a goat in the park. So this guy put a curse on the Cubs. It's been 68 years. They haven't been back to the World Series. I guess it's working. And then this billionaire buys the Cubs, and now they're scratching their head as to why they bought them. But they were Cub fans. So they bailed out the Tribune for almost a billion dollars. And now they're having all kinds of problems over here, gold heads included. You want to talk to Doc Live? 800-596-8191. Got the Wake Up Well show with Doc Mike Whitort out of Chicago. We're here for you. Any drug that you want to know about, I've got the book here. 3,000 pages of adverse reactions. This is how the pharmaceutical companies protect themselves. If you start taking a drug without understanding its adverse reaction, like sudden death, um, hemophilia, so on, that's on you. You try to take them to court, they're going to say, well, why didn't you read the adverse reactions? You're supposed to do that. Because I talked to a rep the other day and said he doesn't have time to tell a doctor all the adverse reactions to drugs, especially your blood thinners. Okay. No, they don't have time to tell these doctors that. they got time to tell them the benefits and how much they're going to get for each prescription they write, the kickback. But if you die from one of these drugs, that's, that's it. That's your fault. That's how the pharmaceutical companies protect themselves. They just manual. I have a thing weighs 10 pounds. And I'm having trouble getting my... Um, 2013 edition. They're tap dancing me. I used to get it. I don't get it anymore. Okay. Um, let's look up uh, Coumadin. Okay. These are uh, drugs that are given 
for hypertension. Okay. Um, and it's basically warfarin. Okay. Page two fifty five on this in this book here. Thirty three thousand pages here with one hand. Two fifty five. Okay, here we go. These are called anticoagulants. That's the class okay, that they're in. And the um, um, adverse reactions, pages of adverse reactions. Okay. Mike, go. You've got a caller. Fantastic. You got the doc? Who's calling? Where are you calling from? You got me? That's you. Go right ahead. Okay. Gene from Pennsylvania. Good afternoon, Gene. How can I help you? How do I rid myself of ulcers in my duodenum? Very simply. Uh, Are you familiar with apple cider vinegar? Yes. You are? When's the last time you took some? (laughs) I haven't. I I know about it, but I haven't taken it. All right. All you need is a capful. Now, um, it's what we call an astringent. It can, your skin, plastics, um, it's a balancing liquid in the body once it gets into the body. So I guess you should take a capful. Uh, put it in the uh, pint of water. Get up real good. Drink her down. Now, if it's still too astringent, you can put a capful in two quarts of water. And you don't have to drink it all at one time. Okay? And this will balance the acidic properties that are uh, causing these. Did you say you had ulcers? Or no? I, I, I didn't get that. Uh, did you say that you had an ulcer? Yeah, ulcers in the one. Okay. Um, are you presently taking some medication for it? Yeah, they have me taking pantoprazole. <clears throat> okay, I've heard of that. And I've got the um, the book right here now. It, are you Were you... Uh, Listening on the internet, or were you listening on the phone bridge? On the phone. <clears throat> on the phone. Wonderful. Okay. How long have you been listening to the Doc Mike show? Uh, I, I listened on satellite radio uh, a couple of years now. Wonderful. Okay. Well, God bless you. Mm-hmm. You probably heard the cure for cancer a week ago, this gal in Florida. They were so excited mm-hmm. about getting rid of cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, CJ, what a success that was. And I hope I'm going to one of these days be able to talk to her uh, her doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay. But ulcers are real easy to cure. Okay. Uh, if you're agreeable to stopping this medication, because I'm going to look it up right now, um... And 
we're going to prove that this um, medication perpetuates your ulcers. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, what I need is this. Is the, is the spelling of this drug. I'm in here in the pentos, and um, I think I've got it right here, but can you give me the spelling, Gene? P-A-N-T-O-P-R-A-Z-O-L-E. P-A-N-P-A-N. Okay, would you go over that again quickly, Gene? Let me spell it. Yeah, but respell it. Okay, P-A-N-T-O-P-R-A-Z-O-L-E. I got it. Okay. 2061. Okay. how this works, okay? I got the book that your doctor should have gone over you over with you, and um, told you all the adverse reactions to this drug, and mm-hmm. appropriate alternatives, along mm-hmm. with his diagnosis. About how long have you been uh, suffering with this, Gene? Uh, since uh, in February. Just in February, that's only a couple months. Yeah. And and what's your age, Dean? 79. 79. Um, mm-hmm. Did you suspect that something was happening before you were diagnosed with these ulcers? Well, I went to the hospital. Two of them were bleeding, and they put clamps in there. Okay. So, uh, so you had some surgery? Well, yeah, they they just put clamps in there. That's all they do. And then they gave me this to take. Okay. Milligrams. Uh, we're we're at the halftime show now. You uh, only because you called in a little bit late. But I'd be happy to talk to you uh, after we have our commercial break for the half. Can you stick around? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. We'll see you in a couple minutes. Okay, folks. You got the news. Legendary, unstoppable, bulletproof Doc Mike show from Chicago, live and you on Wednesday, the 29th of May, 2013. We got another half hour of hard hitting help hints. Get a piece of paper and a pencil. We're talking to Gene. And um, we'll be talking about ulcers and these medications for ulcers and tools that he's never going to get rid of these ulcers. And we're also already showing that. Here he got operated on in February, and he still got them. What seems to be the problem? We're going to figure it out for him right away. And anybody else that's got ulcers, because these are very, very curable. Okay? You got AmericanVoiceRadio.com for your listening pleasure. Stick around after my show protects Mars and New World Order. We'll be here. Support our sponsors. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Stay right where you are. 
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Would you like access to personalized counseling concerning suitable health care alternatives for you and your family for the rest of your life? IIR provides this for only a one-time cost of $49.95. That's $49.95. One-time cost for a lifetime membership in IIR. Call 708-488-8887. That's 708-488-8887. To get your lifetime membership in IIR and take advantage of the suitable health care alternatives you have a right to have access to, ask for Doc Mike at 708-488-8887 for your lifetime membership in IIR.
there, kids? You got the new, legendary, unstoppable, bulletproof Doc Mike show from Chicago, live and you. On Wednesday, the 29th of May, 2013. Thank you so much for enjoy for uh, joining us. You got AmericanVoiceRadio.com and the Wake Up Well Show with Doc Mike Whitworth. We have Gene on the air. I want to give him every minute I've got here so we can get this thing organized for him and cured as quickly as possible because you got the number one holistic and curing radio program in the world. It's caller-driven. Get a pencil and a piece of paper because there's going to be some tips here. Are you right there, Gene? Yes, i got a pencil, and I'd like to write down a procedure that you said. Okay, fine. We'll go over that again. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you mentioned that these ulcers were in your uh, duodenum or your duodenum? Yes. <laughs> Did I say it wrong? No. That's, uh, there's two ways of pronouncing it. I've got them both right here in my um, uh, medical dictionary. It's a sanitized dictionary, unfortunately. The word doctor is not in this dictionary. Okay? Oh. But uh, duodenum or duodenum is the uh, proper pronunciation of this organ, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, it's, uh, it's a it extends to the portion uh, from the pylorus to the neck of the gallbladder, okay? And it's a very, very mm -hmm. important organ, and we want to uh, square this thing up as quickly as possible. Now, mm -hmm. as I say, if you, uh, at your age, you might want to take a quart of warm water, that's two pints, and put a capful of apple cider vinegar. Uh, Bragg's is the brand that I uh, recommend, but uh, a good quality apple cider vinegar is fine. Mm -hmm. And you put a capful in that quart of warm water, and then, uh, you know, of an evening, uh, just kind of sip on it or put a straw in it and um, drink her down. And this will normalize the acidic nature of your duodenum. Go ahead. Uh, would I would I sort of drink this all at once or during the day a little bit or if if you mix it in the morning, uh, you yeah. can take uh, you know every uh, fifteen or twenty minutes a few ounces. Uh -huh. Are you retired now? Yes. Okay. So you got a little time on your hands. And we'll mm -hmm. uh, buck up your uh, health picture very, very quickly. Uh, have you discontinued your medication, or did you take some today? I stopped the other day, and, and the pain came back, right. so I'm taking it again. It's 40 milligrams. So okay. uh, it's really, it, I mean, the pain's there, but it, it's really not hurting bad. So, okay. Uh, but uh, I'd like to get rid of these. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I've I've got the the drug here right in front of me, and I'm going to go back to the. Um, uh, I got the uh, forty milligram here. That's uh, is it the delayed release that you're taking? Uh, I I I don't know. I think they they call it a DR. Delayed release 
or or uh, T okay. yes. T yes. R time release. Yes. Okay, I got it right here. Um, and it says here it may contain lactose. So that means that they're putting some additional sugar in your body um, that you don't need. This stuff is some real junk, I'll tell you right now. Okay? And it would never get rid of, uh, of your ulcers there. Okay? So, um, it is for um, healing of erosive esophagitis, okay? But they also say it's for a very short term, up to eight weeks. Have you been taking this longer than eight weeks? Uh, I said I should stop, and she said, well, I'll just keep taking it. So how much money do you think your doctor is making off of this drug? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, they're making it. Yeah, well, okay. well, you know what? You want to ask your doctor how much he's, how much the kickback is for this drug that you're supposed to stop after eight weeks because mm -hmm. this is only for the temporary relief, short-term treatment. Then you run into Doc Mike, and we get rid of mm -hmm. it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm going to also go back to what they call the um, monogram. Uh, um, uh, or what the potent pump inhibitor. Okay. And um, I'm going to just go back here slowly so I don't miss anything. Because this, this stuff is so toxic, Gene. But uh, I w they, they first test this on animals. I think you're probably aware of that. Okay. And I haven't. Pardon? I haven't heard of that. But, uh, oh, yeah. No, they're not going to initially uh, put something this toxic in human beings. Right? Hmm. They first test it on animals. And if the animals survive... Then they try it on humans, and then a few humans die. But the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, is funded by the pharmaceutical companies. So the next thing you know, it's on your doctor's uh, shelf or on a Walgreens shelf. Now, uh, are you paying for this, or is um, uh, Medicare, Medicaid picking up the cost? What's going on with this? Uh, Medicare's paying most of it. Most of it. So you got like a copay? Yes. Okay. And how much is that? Or do you remember? I I, I don't remember because it's uh, I got it for for months now and I don't I don't okay. remember what, what it was. So is that too much? Might be under fifty dollars that you're paying. Oh yes. Okay. All right. So that means that the rest of the United States is picking up your bill, okay? Mm -hmm. And you know how the medical system is going in the dumper here in Illinois. What state are you in again, Ohio? Pennsylvania. West Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. okay. Um, Pennsylvania is probably doing as bad as we are here. Uh, Illinois is underwater. They've got a $9 billion debt here that the government of Illinois doesn't want to pay people that have been ripping off the state. 
But mm-hmm. be that as it may, it, this is just adding to that burden of you taking this drug. And we're trying to get yeah. rid of all these drug companies and 800,000 doctors. Okay? But I just found something here that this drug, these proton, you understand that this is a proton pump inhibitor? You know, is your doctor uh, giving... Uh, you said that it's supposed to cut down the stomach acid. Yes. Okay. But your stomach acid is governed by your gallbladder. Mm-hmm. And they uh, suggested that you might want to take out your gallbladder? No. Good. I don't think I'd let them do that. <laughs> God bless you, pal. Because, believe me, if, this, if that, those little clips and things don't work, and they're just running up the bill. You know, they, they try the littlest things first. It's like if you had a flat tire, a doctor will keep putting air in your tire versus pull out mm-hmm. the nail, patch it, or replace the tire. See? And you've got to yeah. keep coming back for the air. And yeah. you keep coming back for these symptoms that you have of pain and so on. They put these clips in there. That doesn't work. Okay? So mm-hmm. then they'll go after your gallbladder. Okay? Yeah. And then, then you're really screwed because your gallbladder is where your acid is neutralized. Your gallbladder is basically apple cider vinegar. Okay? Oh. Now, now. Now, here, I want to mention this first of all here because um, there is a, uh, a warning here and a precaution against these types of drugs, and this includes the one you're taking. And, then, and the name is right here, pantoprazole, okay? Hypersensitivity reactions. Anaphylaxis has been reported with the use of pantoprazole. Hypersensitivity and anaphylaxis has been reported with two other drugs, too. This may require emergency medical treatment. Okay? It also affects your liver. As I'm going down the list here. Okay? Nursing mothers, children, elderly. And in years, what, 78, did you say? 79? 79. Okay, elderly. The elimination rate of these drugs was somewhat decreased in elderly patients, and the bioavailability increased. Okay? The clearance is decreased in elderly patients. That means that you're storing these drugs in your body. Okay? Then it goes on for... um, I want to get to the... uh, Adverse. Here's adverse reactions, okay? How about some uh, abdominal pain, diarrhea, gas, nausea, vomiting, upper respiratory tract infections? Uh, have you noticed possibly a chronic cough since you started taking this no, medication? No, I've had some gas. Okay. Okay. There we go. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see, here's one. Here's an ab- How about this? Abnormal electrocardiograms. Angina pectoris, that's a heart attack. Arrhythmia, that's fluttering heart. Atrial fibrillation and flutter. Cardiovascular disorders. Congestive heart failure. Hemorrhages, this can cause 
be caused by um, turning you into a hemophiliac. Hypertension, you get all wound up. Hypotension, you get atrophy. Your muscles uh, go to, uh, they get real flabby. Myocardial infarction, myocardial ischemia, that means the oxygen in your heart drops. Palpitation, mm -hmm. syncope, that's transient loss of consciousness. Tachycardia, that's racing heart. Thrombosis and vasodilation. Did your doctor go over these adverse reactions with you? Yeah. Uh, you know she did. Okay. So now you got. I have, I have, go ahead. I have a question. Uh, sure. How how long would I have to do this with two quarts of water and a cup of vinegar? Would that take a while to clear it up? Uh, I'll tell you what, Gene. Uh, probably within a couple of days, you're going to see a marked improvement. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we. If, uh, if you, by the way. Uh, you know, the cause of this, of course, is stress. I don't know if you're running out of money or uh, your well, girlfriend they, ran they off with the mailman. Bacteria. Bacteria? Yeah. Uh, uh, what, do you have cats and dogs at your house or you live on a farm? No. Uh, I I read it in, in a book. It said something about pyoria or whatever, some kind of bacteria. Uh, spiral bacteria is, is one of the causes. Yes, and and that's from stress and poor nutrition. Now, uh, do you enjoy a lot of fruits and vegetables? Mm hmm. Or do you eat yes. at McDonald's from time to time? No, I don't. I don't eat at McDonald's. Wonderful. I don't go out to eat. I eat at home. And and the most of your foods. Like canned goods and things? I didn't. What you said. My hearing isn't bad. Oh, okay. You want me to go louder or slower? No, 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 that's all right. Okay. Okay, I was asking you about your um, your nutrition. Do you cook a lot of your foods? Yes, I I do uh, juice carrots and celery. Wonderful. I uh, eat fish. I okay. steam rice and vegetables in a steamer. Okay. And I eat a certain lot of fruit. Wonderful. I don't eat much meat. Not much meat, right? Yeah. I, so. Well, that's good. That's wonderful. Now. You have your pencil there? Yes. Okay. We've got about 10 minutes left in the show, but I would like to talk to you at length from my office here. So I'd like you to write down my phone number. <coughs> okay? Yes. It's 708-488-8887. Right. Eight 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 seven. I didn't get it. The the last the last four numbers are three eight and a seven. Eight 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 seven. Eight 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 seven. That's correct. Seven zero eight four eight 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 seven. That's correct. Okay. Okay. Um, 
We can continue talking up to the end of the show because this is an extremely um, valuable conversation we're having here for my 42 million listeners. And I really appreciate mm. you calling in, Gene. I wish you'd have mm. called me just before you started taking that medication. Because you see, after you started taking the medication, it sounds like they put some clips in you. And now your doctor wants you to continue taking the medication, even though yeah. the manufacturers suggest that you stop. Mm-hmm. You see? And, and okay. it's your due diligence to take care of you, because your health is your responsibility. You know, it's not your doctor's responsibility. It's not Social Security. It's not your relatives. It's not your friends. Okay? It's you. And this is mm-hmm. what you've done. Okay? And God yeah. bless you for that, because these are the kind of calls that I get. And we can extend the knowledge that I have and the knowledge that I've accumulated and the contacts that I have, the medical uh, patriots that are very interested in your health, because we have our health, and we just want to share it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. So, as I say, uh, you know, I'd like to talk to you at length about this. If, if you call and it goes to voicemail, just leave me a message, and I'll call you back as quickly as I can. I handle anywhere from 800 to 1,000 calls a month on this line. But uh, for somebody like yourself who's reached out for the information, I'm willing to do everything that I can to keep you healthy. Because you're only about uh, 10 years older than me. What if I waited for a week or so to see if this works before I call? That would be fine. I have no problem with that, but if, if you want to call me and tell me your progress, that's okay, too. Now, when's the best time to call? Anytime. I'm open 24 hours a day. I've got a suicide prevention line here for doctors and police. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So if you, yeah. you know, 2 o'clock in the morning and you have a question, give me a call. 9 to 5 uh, is fine, too. Mm-hmm. And I answer every call that I get here. I have a call waiting, and because of the suicide line, they never know when a doctor is going to call up and say he wants to blow his brains out. Uh-huh. Okay? And I help right. them to, you know, because I think what, what's going to happen is these doctors get into Obamacare, and they're all making $25,000 a year. They're going to switch to alternative mm-hmm. medicine because there's 132 million Americans that don't go to doctors and don't take drugs. Mm-hmm. And that's where we want you. By the way, is this the only drug you're taking? No, I'm taking uh, some uh, other drugs for high blood pressure. Okay. What that's doing is turning you into a hemophiliac, and that's why these ulcers aren't curing. How long have you been taking that drug? Uh, from, from the same time. Oh, really? Mm. And what's the name of that drug, Gene? Lisinopril. Lisinopril. I'm very familiar with that drug. You won't have to spell that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got that right here. Um, let's, let's take a look at that. 
on page 895 and 896, and we're going we're gonna to get you off of that junk, too. Okay? You see how they double-bubble you up on this? Okay? Mm-hmm. This is, this is how the, the system works. If, if you've got something, you've got something else, and they're going to drug you up on it as quickly as they can. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay? These are uh, um, what they call renin-angiotensin system antagonists. Okay? And I got it right here. What What are you taking, 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams, 30, 40? Ten. How much are you taking? 10. Ten. Okay. So they start you at the bottom to see what that does and make sure it doesn't kill you. But then you're going to be uh, knocked up the 20s, 30s, and 40s pretty soon. Okay? Now, they have a black box warning on this, too, okay, for women that are pregnant. Okay? That can cause injury and even death to the developing fetus. Okay? When pregnancy is detected, discontinue lisinopril as soon as possible. Now, what is, what is this given for? Did you have any one of these? Acute myocardial infarction, a heart attack? I, when I went in, they said I had blood pressure, so they okay. gave that to... It, here's what, when we saw, talk about indications, this is what this can be, okay? Acute uh, myocardial infarction, that's a heart attack, heart failure, and hypertension. Now, when you have ulcers, they automatically diagnose you with hypertension. And what does this drug do? It uh, decreases your red blood cells. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.